Loudmouth. I'm your host, Daryl Marks. My co-host, Speedy. Petey, 631-672-3108 is the number to call. Go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out our local listings by going to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Speeder, what is up? Happy New Year to you. How are your family? Yes, Happy New Year. How are your family? How are our family? Well, I can't, I can't attest to everybody's family, but my family definitely enjoyed their New Year's. It's stressful for my mom. She had to do a lot of, uh, she was prepping a lot of wings. She made a lot of different wing flavors. No cookies? Uh, no, we did cookies on Christmas. We didn't do it this time around for New Year's, but we did, uh, we did a lot of appetizer foods. Homemade ice cream. Did you ever do that before? We've done it before. Not in a while. Are you good at that? I don't. Are you good at anything? I don't. Are you good at making anything? I don't remember if I was. How about tuna fish? You like making tuna? No, that's uh, my brother Dylan. He likes that a lot. My dad. What does he put in it? He has like pepper, carrots. What does he like to put in? Uh, Ah, celery. That's it? Celery? Yeah, that's really Nothing it. else? No, no mayo? He's, he's, uh, well, yeah, mayo is the fault. No, well, hold on one second. Some people don't put mayo in. It's well, fattening. They're, they're, yeah. They're, I mean, you need right, to put some weight on. They're the, you need to put some weight on. You weigh right. a ton. I would say. I mean, you actually don't weigh a ton. Well, yeah, they're, I would say that's the more uh, unique approach if you don't put oh, mayo in a, a tuna fish. unique approach. Yeah, I would say the majority of tuna fish recipes have. What would be unique if you didn't put mayo in it? You could probably do. You could probably do ranch. I How about cottage cheese? Similar. Would you put cottage cheese? I suppose there's people that have tried that. Oh, stop it! Nobody puts cottage cheese. It's up in, to them. I don't know. in tuna fish. I, probably not, but I, I mean that would be good else. for you. I think you like to do different things, right? You like to dip your wings care that much in about... different sauces. Yeah, that's different than tuna. What, what do you mean it's different than tuna? Do you like tuna? It's okay. Yeah, but, but that's not, again, that's that, not again, the question it's... here. Do you like tuna or do you not? It's fine. It's it's a decent. What is your favorite meal, Speedy? My favorite meal. Out yes. Of anything. Oh, are you thinking now? Is this going to be like yeah. a TikTok? We don't stop. No, I don't. I don't use TikTok. <laughs> no, obviously, fun. I couldn't see you dancing. I mean, your rocket kicks would scare the hell out of people. Yeah, that's why I don't use TikTok and make myself look like a fool. <laughs> well, like, hey, listen, I like to look like a fool. I know because you're part of the shameless five percent. <laughs> So uh, you still haven't told us what your favorite food is. Your favorite meal. What does your mom like to cook you? Have you uh, ever had goat? Enchiladas. Enchiladas. Do you like goat? Never had goat meat. You've never had goat meat? I've had goat cheese. It's good. I've never had goat goat meat. I've never had goat meat. How about goat balls? 
Oh, my God. I'm just asking. You had goat before. You never had goat, but you had goat cheese, so maybe goat balls. And now we're all getting uh, How about duck? Have you ever had duck before? I have before? not had duck, but we're probably willing to try that possibly next Thanksgiving. We oh, so. We discussed that. Why Thanksgiving? Why do you have to wait until Thanksgiving? Oh, you got to go to a Chinese buffet or Chinese restaurant. Well, yeah, I'm sure they have. duck. I'm sure they have. Maybe before. you can have cat and dog, too, if you I, go to a I'm Chinese sure they buffet. have before, because uh, I know they like Chinese food a lot more, so I'm sure they have. Have, you ever, had a, have you ever had an insect to eat? Did you ever eat? an insect. Uh, By accident, yes. Oh, really? You ate an insect? What kind of insect? Some kind of bug. Some kind of flying bug. You don't know what you ate? You just I didn't ate do it? it on purpose. So what, did it just fly in your mouth? Yes. And you're like, hmm, this is good. No. Well, then how did you do it? I walked into it because it flew in my mouth. Yes. Oh, so you walked into a bug. It was bug. probably, yeah, it was probably a Ladies and gentlemen, Speedy Petey. A man with amazing ability. He likes to walk. I don't think that's an impressive ability. It is. It is. It very much is. I, I mean, it's not, it's not Karate Kid with the ch- uh, chopsticks. Wax on, wax off. Yeah, Do you like not, to not, wax on, wax off? No, but it's not him with the chopsticks catching the bug. That's an impressive ability. Well, I, hey, listen. I think you could do anything, Speedy. You've done a lot of different things in, in in your lifetime. Why couldn't you do it with chopsticks? I'm not good at gripping chopsticks as it is. Well, you're not good at gripping much of anything, are you? Not chopsticks. How about grabbing things? Do you like to grab things? That's a whole different tactic altogether. No, it's not. It's it's part of the tactic. Anyways, we have a great show lined up for you guys for the new year in 2024. At 8.30, we'll be talking to the host of Just Jets podcast and Talking Jets show, Matt O'Leary. He is fantastic. If you've never, ever seen him on YouTube... Well, shame on you. This guy is as good as it gets when it comes to Jets football. He knows everything. He He's one of the best when it comes to YouTube. At 9 o'clock, we'll be talking to former 49ers, Bengals, Panthers, Bears, and Titans. Tight end Kevin Green. He played from 2014 to 2017, and it's not Kevin Green, the Hall of Famer. Speedy thought it was the Hall of Famer. I did at the time. But he passed away, and I said, Speedy, wait a second. Kevin Green is gone. I don't understand that. And he actually was a part of the Jets uh, coaching staff a couple of years ago, the Todd Bowles coaching staff. So it didn't make any sense. So Speedy kind of threw me off when he told me Kevin Green was coming on the show. The Knicks acquire OG Anobi. From the Raptors for R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly in a second-round pick. I will say this. This, I believe, was a great trade for the New York Knicks. I didn't want to see R.J. Barrett go, but he he wanted to go home. And I, I know the Knicks were trying to accommodate him. And he's heading home to Toronto. And he played his first game the other day with Emmanuel Quickly. Uh, the Knicks say they are still not done. And they have enough assets to acquire another significant player, and they are linked to Pascal Siakam and uh, Mr. Murray. So, and Hawks, and I have him on my fantasy team, by the way. So, uh, that's going to be an interesting story moving forward till the trade deadline. Uh, Did the referees botch up the ending of the Lions and Cowboys game? I would say yes. We will get into (laughs) it. Uh, Reports say there is tension tearing the Eagles locker room apart after losing to the Cardinals. <laughs> and everybody wants to get rid of Kyla Murray. Uh, the Cardinals will most likely keep Kyla Murray and won't draft a quarterback. Thank God. I mean, how many times have we seen this before? They decide to part ways with a quarterback. Somebody goes somewhere else and he's successful. I love Kyla Murray. I think he's starting to get back to uh, his normal self. Uh, Bears lock up the number one pick, but... Many fans and players give chance screaming for Justin Fields at the end of the game. So why don't we get into it? And the referee controversy was everything. It was everything throughout the weekend. 
and and honestly, Saturday night, nationally televised, and watching this only tells you that the NFL absolutely botched up a call. And and to me, it was significant. Referee controversy ruined the end of the Lions and Cowboys Saturday night matchup, robbing the Lions of taking a lead with two-point conversion. The controversy came on which offensive lineman reported eligible. Lions left tackle Taylor Decker, who caught the pass, told the referee Brad Allen he reported eligible. But Allen still penalized the, the Lions, saying it was left guard Dan Skipper. Instead, there is also video proof that Decker told Allen that he was the one eligible and Skipper went over there to say he wasn't eligible. Dan Campbell said he also told the referees in the pregame that he would consider calling offensive line pass plays and to be ready for the scenario to happen. That play would have given the Lions a 21-20 to lead with 23 seconds remaining, and the Cowboys only having one timeout. Brad Allen's referee crew was also responsible for a bad missed call at the end of the Chiefs-Packers game, including a hit on Patrick Mahomes and a pass interference not called on the Packers. The NFL says that Allen's crew will do this week's Steelers and Ravens game, but will likely not do any of the playoff games. I don't know if the game was scripted. I know everybody's going to go out there and believe that this game was scripted. The NFL, I'm one of those guys, especially in the Super Bowl. I, I believe there were certain games that really stood out to me where I could say it was scripted. But to me, right now, when you look at this game and the situation and how it happened, you would honestly think that the referees gave this game away to the Cowboys. And I'm not saying Dak Prescott didn't have a good game. And beef, shame on you if you <laughs> thought he did. Because he outplayed Jared Goff. He absolutely outplayed Jared Goff. And the game was back and forth. It was such a great game. Everybody thought it was going to be a high-scoring game. The Cowboys usually score between 35 and 40 points at home. They dominate at home offensively. But this game was really a defensive sound, def- defensively sound game. And the Lions, a team that all season long has been explosive on both sides of the ball. Running the ball. And even defense, front, their front seven has been explosive. Their secondary, there were a lot of questions going into this game against the Cowboys. And they showed up. They, they played very well. Now, they couldn't stop CeeDee Lamb. Who can? I mean, CeeDee Lamb had a, what, was it a 95-yard catch? I mean, he was explosive. He was the only player that was explosive for the Dallas Cowboys. Ferguson was good. Pollard in certain... Parts of the game, I would say in the fourth quarter, he ran the ball pretty well. But it was the C.D. Lamb show. It was Dak Prescott and C.D. Lamb. Micah Parsons finally woke up in this game. For everybody and all the Cowboy fans that think he's the best defensive lineman in all of football, the last three weeks he hasn't really shown up. This past week, he showed up. So did Lawrence, finally. This defensive line actually played well against a very good offensive line with the Lions. 
The Lions, I believe, the second best offensive line in football, right behind the Eagles. But who knows what's going on with the Eagles in their locker room and what's going on with the offense and defensive side of the ball. But we'll get into that a little bit later. You watch this game and you wonder, obviously it was Jimmy Johnson night. Halftime, Troy Aikman, Emmett Smith, Michael Irvin. Everybody was on the field enjoying Jimmy Johnson getting inducted to the Cowboys Hall of Fame. Finally, because, I don't know, Jerry Jones uh, pulled up his pants and realized Jimmy Johnson belongs there. I think that when you watch these kind of games, and, and honestly, I understand that the Cowboys have a ton of fans around the country. They do. They have a ton of friends, fans. And friends, by the way. Jimmy, Jimmy Johnson does, and so does Jerry Jones. And they're, I don't know how they play that they're friends. They, they couldn't stand each other a couple of months ago. Now, all of a sudden, they're the lovers. What we saw on national television at the end of the game was terrible. It was terrible. And that's what I want to see from my coach, Robert Sala. Watching Dan Campbell dance, his face turned red and purple. He was dancing on the sidelines, screaming at the referees. You saw saw Skipper running around, screaming at the referees. You saw Decker screaming at the referees. You saw the whole offensive line screaming at the referees. We called it. We told you that we were going to run this play. We were going to make sure that we were going to report and be eligible on the, on, on the two-point conversion. And what happens? It was botched up. And I don't want to hear from the referees. How could you botch up? Who told you what? He came up to you. Do you not know how to read a number? Do you, know, do you not know how to read a name on the back of a jersey? Are you that dumb? You guys, half of the guys, half of these referees in the NFL are lawyers. They own their own firms. They're doctors. You think a lawyer's going to forget, hey, you know, this is a criminal case. It's not a corporate case. And I'm going to go out there and just say, hey, you know what? <laughs> you win or lose. You go to jail, you go to jail. Who cares? This is ridiculous. And the NFL, no explanation. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. None of these guys are going to be a part of the playoff run. None of these guys are going to be a part of the playoffs. That's not enough. That's embarrassing. And you sit back and you wonder if the NFL or this happens in a playoff game to anybody, any team in the NFL in, in a game that's so important, is this going to cost a team a playoff run? Or would this cost a team a chance to win a Super Bowl? Yeah, and you definitely see referee bias. We've talked about this in the past, too. And the Lions have been really scrutinized badly with that kind of thing, too. Let's go back to the Packers game. Aaron Rodgers had through the Hail Mary in against the Lions. Like That was a face mask that wasn't called there. There was a bad one against the Seahawks. There was a bad one against the Falcons. There was a 10-second runoff. The Lions, like you were saying about the Jets, like they never get those kinds of calls. And Dallas, I know they've the, the beef likes to complain, oh, Dallas doesn't get calls either. The whole Des- the Wafflewees! De- the whole Des Bryant controversy. The there's a difference. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like an actual God, God, you stink. I hope you break your leg. <laughs> 
Well, if you claim that das- Dak Prescott stinks, Beef, go watch the 92-yard touchdown again. <laughs> that was all him trying to get out of the end zone to get a safety. That was nearly a safety on the Lions. <sighs> and well. Dak Prescott extended the play and threw a bomb to C.D. Lamb. You know so- what's so funny? <laughs> you see, the Cowboys play the Lions, and I remember the Beef came out and said that, hey, Ezekiel Elliott at one point could run – and, and and it was as dominant as Barry Sanders. And if he ran behind that same offensive line, Barry Sanders was running running for uh, for the Lions in the nineties, he would have the same numbers. Remember that? Oh yeah. How could you how could you sit here and, and watch this game and know that the Lions did not get screwed? Mm-hmm. They had everything. They were going to win the game. They actually did win the game. Right. And then all of a sudden, you see a flag come out. You're wondering what the flag was all about. And then you see the, the Cowboys, and you see Jerry Jones up there in a skybox. He's sitting there. He's jumping for joy because he knew that the NFL and the referees screwed the Lions because of that particular play. It was absolutely embarrassing. The NFL should be ashamed of, of, of themselves. And we've seen this before. Mm-hmm. If you remember, the Saints and the Rams. And two of these referees were a part of that game. Two of them were a part of that game, which screwed, yes, screwed the Saints on going to the Super Bowl. Who knows? The Saints possibly win the Super Bowl against the Patriots yeah. in that game because, hey, the Patriots barely scored, and neither did the Rams. <laughs> and one of the greatest offensive teams uh, that year and one of the greatest offensive teams we have seen in the last 10 years goes to the Super Bowl and only puts up what? How many points? 10 or uh, something like that? It was great. The Patriots only put up 10. Yeah, there you go. It was 10 to 3. It was probably the worst watched Super Bowl game we've ever seen. Well, as the NFL is trying to build more offense, you got to watch you you had the opportunity to watch Arguably one of the most boring football games you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, we, we go back to like what kind of national brand the NFL wants to build. The Lions, yes, they're this fun, young, breakthrough team. They're a great underdog story for a city that hasn't won a playoff game and since, since the 90s. They've only won one playoff game in their entire franchise history in the Super Bowl era. So you want to have a team like that to be able to brand on, but are you going to really surpass, oh, the Dallas Cowboys. I'm sure the NFL would love to see the Dallas Cowboys be the two seed, especially now that the Eagles lost to the Arizona Cardinals. They are going to be the two seed. Yeah, looks that way, unless they somehow screw it up against Washington. But and still. I, it's amazing. <laughs> Amazing what's going on with the Eagles. The Eagles are completely falling apart. They have completely fallen apart. And it didn't matter that the Cowboys lost an important game the week before. No, it didn't because the Eagles have lost consecutive games back and forth and back and forth. This is a team that added a a guy like Shaq Leonard, an all-pro player. He added uh, Bayard, Mm -hmm. uh, one of the best safeties in the league a couple of years ago. You, You added all these all these talented defensive players, and you still can't buy a win. You can't find a way to win. And, you, and everybody wants to blame Jalen Hurts. It's not Jalen Hurts' fault. They haven't ran, run the ball very, very well the last couple of weeks. And A.J. Brown, who everybody likes to point their fingers because the last two weeks he hasn't really broken out what he's done all season long, it's A.J. Brown's fault. A.J. Brown has been one of the top four, top three wide receivers in the league. And Devontae Smith, he could be out a significant amount of time. So, I mean, you're going into the playoffs. You're not 100% healthy. You don't even know what this team is all about. This defense, which everybody was going to believe was going to be as explosive as it was last year, going all the way to the Super Bowl, adding these pieces and getting healthy, they've been worse. And and, and by the way, they got younger in the offseason. They added Carter. They had all these guys. And, and all these youngsters have not really taken them to that next level. This is a huge problem for the Eagles. And the Cowboys are licking their lips because now they have a chance— if 
if they win on Sunday to win the division. Mm -hmm. Now, going back to the referee controversy, too, there's also two different ele other elements of video proof, too. There's video proof of what you were saying about Dan Campbell actually going to the referees oh, and telling them, and telling them we're going to go run this trick play if we need to on a two-point conversion. He also did mention it again in the first quarter of that game. There's also proof of Jared Goff telling Taylor Decker in the huddle, go report as eligible, you're the tackle-eligible guy, not Dan Skipper. And then there's very real proof of that to the referees. Now, there's this whole controversy of, okay, Dan Campbell wanted to do both of them as eligible, so Dallas didn't know which one it was, which is creative on his part, too. He should not be penalized for that kind of thing, and that's what the referees going to confuse it as? And like you were saying, in the simplest terms, know what guys' numbers are. I mean, seriously, it's the first thing you're taught. How do you not see the number? I mean, and they're two different size guys. I mean, one's bigger than the other. How do you not notice that? Mm -hmm. And that, to me, tells me one thing. The NFL has a bunch of idiots as referees. That's what they have. And, and to me, when you look at the situation for what it was, the Cowboys were handed the game. The Lions could be, right now, 12-4, and four, and they have a chance to win, win the conference. Right. They could be going in on the final week of the season if they win out and San Francisco loses, they could win the conference and have the number one seed and be home and have home field advantage all playoff long, all the way to the Super Bowl. And even so, let's say they play against Dallas again. They win their first playoff game against the Rams or the Seahawks or whoever it might be or whatever other team. And they go into the next round. Like, they should have to be – they could be the home team. They should have been able to be the home team if they were able to win their last game of the season against the Vikings too. So if they play Dallas in the playoffs again or if they were to play oh. the Eagles hypothetically, like, why, they are now robbed of a home game against a good opponent. Like, even if they didn't get the home field advantage as the one seed, they should at least have been allowed the opportunity to play the two. If they box their opportunity the last week of the season against the Vikings – they lost it, that's on them, fine. But the NFL screwing them out of that seeding and losing a home game possibly in the playoffs for a team that's inexperienced, a team that has a great storyline on them too, it's not something that looks good for the NFL either. Dallas and the Eagles have played a bunch of home playoff games. It is going to be very difficult if the Lions and the Cowboys meet up in the playoffs for the Cowboys to knock them off. It's very hard for a top team to knock off another top team back-to-back -to -back times. And we, it's actually... It's been known that it's only happened a couple of times right. in the last 10 years. So it's not easy. And, and that's the problem right now. The Cowboys probably would have been better off losing that game because if they do meet the Lions in the playoffs, I already believe the Lions have the advantage. And, and by the way, Dan Campbell will have this marked. They will ha He will have the Cowboys star marked on the board if they meet the Cowboys in the playoffs. And again, you also look at the strategy that Dan Campbell's been able to implement, too. His creativity should not be scrutinized for what the referees are trying to do. And it doesn't seem like that happens with a lot of other teams that also do this tackle-eligible stuff. This is not the first instance of that kind of thing. I know uh, the Ravens were complaining about it with the Patriots a couple of years ago, too, in the playoffs. And uh, John Harbaugh having beef. Meanwhile, the Ravens... After that, started doing it all the time, too. So it's part of the rule book. Learn the rule book, for one. And number two, really just stop showing this referee bias. Like, the Lions are not one of these teams that should be, like, penalized as much as they have been for the last, really, eight years. And Horrible. For, it, it, it just shows obvious referee bias for certain teams. And it really isn't, isn't as much quarterback-dependent as people think, because I still see the Packers, even with Aaron Rodgers, gone now, still getting calls. The Patriots, with Tom Brady gone now, still getting calls. Why aren't the Lions, this new team, this new fun, new fun young team getting calls. The Lions made a lot of mistakes, too. Early in the game, Laporta made a couple of, you know, 
bad mistakes. And Laporta has been a good blocker all season long. He missed a couple of blocks. He dropped the ball a couple of times. And it looked like the Cowboys were going to dominate the game all the way into the second half. And then the Lions started to pick up some steam. And then you saw what the Lions could do. Their defense started getting to Dak Prescott. This offensive line, the the, the Cowboys offensive line is very weak in certain aspects of their game. Mm-hmm. Just they lost ju- Tyler Smith they just lost yeah. Smith for the, for the season. They're weak in certain aspects of their offensive line. So they're going into the playoffs. They're not 100%. Zach Martin hasn't been 100% all season long. So you're you're looking going into the playoffs that the, one of the most important parts of your offense is weak. And now you're going to depend on Dak Prescott to move inside and out of the pocket and make plays and, and actually be able to run the ball, which by the way, Pollard has not looked good week in and week out. And they're not getting enough running in their running game to help them in their throwing game. C.D. Lamb is everything to their throwing game. If C.D. Lamb gets knocked out or C.D. Lamb gets a concussion or hurts himself in any of the rest of the games, the final game of the season if he does play, or any of the games early into the playoffs, and they go all the way to the NFC title game, or they go into the semis, or, you know, the, the divisional series, th- there's a good chance, there is a good chance the Cowboys get knocked out. Yeah, look at the Bills game, too. Like CeeDee Lamb got pretty much contained for that whole game besides the first quarter, and the Cowboys couldn't really do much of anything on offense. Uh, Snug also says, yes, but they lost the play when they were on a two-point play the second time. They could have just kissed the extra point. Yep. Yes, but again, that's also not interdependent to what, how the refs screwed it up. Like Just because they had to take a penalty, yes, they could have kicked the extra point. That has nothing to do with the referees botching a very simple thing of knowing which player reported eligible. There is video proof of Taylor Decker <laughs> saying, I am eligible, and Dan Skipper walking there down there saying, I am not eligible. Decker is the eligible guy. And at least your second comment, Snug, if you want to run a complicated play to confuse the defense, you may also confuse the refs. There's a certain amount of risk. That doesn't mean it's their fault, though, and they should be scrutinized for it. The referees botch the most simple thing you learn when you become a referee. All right, who do we have on the phone? We got Jeff. Jeff, what's What's up, bud? This couldn't have happened to a better <laughs> team than the Cowboys. It just couldn't have. Why is that? Well, the Cowboys got the benefits. So I don't know why you're like saying it like that, Jeff. Right. No, 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 no. They got the benefit of it, which is great. So now these motherfuckers can shut up. I am tired of hearing from these people that, oh, nothing ever goes our way and they're out to get us. No, they're not. They handed you a victory because you suck. <laughs> so we feel bad. So here's a win. Now shut the fuck up. <laughs> well, they pissed off Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell didn't even want to speak to the press at the end of the game. Uh, every single one well, of the players had a lot to say about it. Fine. Well, I'm sorry? Well, he can't do anything about it because then he gets fined. No question. And, but again, Dan Campbell doesn't care about the money. We've seen Dan Campbell go up after the game and speak his mind. He is not afraid. Something that Robert Sala should be doing after the Jet games, after what the Jets, the debacle of games the Jets have thrown out there. At least Dan Campbell actually goes out there and shows enthusiasm. You don't see that with Robert Sala. You don't see that with Mike McCarthy. Robert Sala is a great coach, coaching the greatest franchise in the league. All right, I will stop. Not have Robert Sala stop with that. this. Stop with this. No, he's great. He's great. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Mm-hmm. But I love that the Cowboys got the benefit of a call, and it gave them the game, a game they would have lost, no doubt. There was, what, 30 seconds There's left? There 23 in seconds of Dallas. They were not winning that out. game. They were not winning that game. Right. And they, right. they weren't getting down the field and, and kicking a field goal. or doing, It wasn't going to happen. So all of these Cowboy fans can cry in their bucket of coleslaw, <laughs> you know, come playoffs. Oh, we, we launched again. Yeah, the league handed you a win. They gave you another win because you're such crybabies that they felt bad for you. 
Well, also, I, I think that the league loves the Cowboys, and, and, and they want to see the Cowboys go as far as they can because of the fan base, and it's going to bring in ratings. And I don't, I don't know. Again, I don't believe this game was scripted, but I think it's a, it really was a botched-up referee call. And, and again, the referees, and I understand the NFL comes out, and we've heard Ro, uh, Roger Goodell come out and say that they are not going to be refing in any of the playoff games. But that doesn't help the situation because now, like I said, and even Speedy said, that if the Lions play the Cowboys in the playoffs, the Cowboys have the home game it won't matter they won't matter they'll go back there and beat them again and i said again because they beat them the first time and they'll beat them again Mm. Well, again, they should have the opportunity to get a home game. So I agree with you, Jeff. Dallas has not been the world-class home field advantage in the playoffs. I know they're 8-0 at home during the regular season, but we've seen them be the 1-2 and two seeds a lot in the playoffs and lose at home. So to the Giants, it would they lost piss, to the Packers. It so. would piss me off if I was a Lions fan and I had to watch mm-hmm. that on national television. Oh, yeah. Watch that and, and watch the game. Everything was going the Lions' way. They took the ball all the way down the field. And, and, and by the way, Laporta looked fantastic in the last, you know, the last what, two minutes of the game. Mm-hmm. And, and Jared Goff finally woke up all game long. I, I think he had his head up his ass. And then finally he was throwing the ball. He was making plays. And maybe Dan Campbell was being a little bit more safe throughout the game. And their defense finally woke up in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. So th- that's something that. I want to see the Lions do more, and I want to see the Lions do it in big games. This was a big game for the Lions. If they win the game, if the Lions win the game, anything could happen with San Francisco in the final they, game of the week. But, but this is the thing. You want to see them do it in a big game. They just did it in a big game. Yes. They had it taken from them, yes. robbed from them. No. Ab- absolute theft. So they can do it in big games. They, they did it at the end of the game. They didn't do it throughout the game. They actually got outplayed by a Dallas Cowboy team. They only have one weapon, guys. One weapon. So think about what you're saying, though. They can still play bad and win. That's still okay. Well, it is the Cowboys. I mean, I I don't think the Cowboys are that good. They they have CeeDee Lamb. They have a couple of good defensive players. And I know you don't like Dak, but I like Dak. I think Dak's a quality quarterback. You don't don't think the Cowboys are very good. No, I don't. It was Dak for MVP. Yeah, I, I think Dak deserves a chance. To win an MVP this year, yes, he played very well all oh, season long. What know, makes you think? What makes you think that Dak Prescott would have put these numbers up with any other team? And and and, and again, I I do believe that he would have put these numbers up with any other team. But other people have said that if he played for any other team, he wouldn't have put those numbers up. And I say, why? You have C.D. Lamb on one on one side of the field. You have nobody else. You really don't. You have nobody. Right, but Michael Gallup stinks. Said, but that can be said Cooks is old. Of, right, but that can be said for a lot of football teams. There are a lot of teams out there that have one guy on one side and nobody else. Yeah, who? Um, good football teams that are in the playoffs, that are going to the playoffs. Uh, good football teams. Let's see. Who's going to the playoffs? The Browns. The Browns don't have good wide receivers all over the field? They have one. They have Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper. Uh, what what Elijah Moore is not bad. He had what no, nine hundred. No, he had nine hundred yards this year. Oh, no, that's very not bad very season. bad. He had close to nine hundred yards. I would say Njoku oh, is still an elite weapon. No, though, no Joku. They had they right, they did Ferguson jump. is the same thing. But Ferguson's the same thing. He's just as good as Njoku. So if you're including that, then Dak also has Ferguson. Okay, and 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 how about Pollard? Is he good? Is uh, Pollard good? good? Better than Zeke. 
<laughs> well, I wouldn't say he's better than Zeke, but he he hasn't had a good season. He's he the number one he When they were on the same team, he took the job. He proved he was. Yeah, last year. Yeah, yeah last year because this year has been Zeke wasn't 100% healthy last year. He wasn't. And now he, what was he, a fourth fourth string one running and, back and who, for the Patriots who, this year? Who do, the, who do the Ravens have? What do you mean who the Ravens have? They have Odell who, Beckham. Who Zay, Flowers. Have Zay Flowers. Sorry, Zay Flowers, and then who on the other side? Nobody. Odell Beckham, Bateman. Right, who? Okay, now look at his numbers, and I'll bet you Cooks had a better. Yeah, but here, here's the thing. Bowl. Here's the thing. Bateman was not healthy again this year. I think Bateman's and, and they and again they have Andrews that's coming back. Andrews is one of the best tight ends in football. Who? Right. Hold on. Hold on. Again, he's not there, and Bateman is not there, and Odell is old. Bateman is there. Bateman and, is there. And, and and Odell is old with worse numbers than Brandon Cooks. <laughs> No, you hate that that's, that's a correct point. You said name the team. I do, and then you don't like it. The Ravens have good weapons. What are you talking about? They, they have a don't. good running game, and they have good wide receivers and tight ends. They're, they're a backup tight end. Who was their backup tight end? Anyway, yeah, he had a really good season when he took over for Andrews. I think he had, what, six, 700 yards yeah, he had for a, a tight end? He had a close to 600 six yards. Six touchdowns, six yeah. or seven touchdowns. That's pretty damn good. So and I disagree. Who the, who the Chiefs have? Well, well, uh, again, and it's Patrick Mahomes here. And it's Patrick, okay, so, so the great Patrick Dak. Mahomes. So let's take Dak and put him on the Chiefs. And how is he doing? How's he doing? I think he does just as well as Patrick Mahomes. I oh, do. No way. Why? No way. Why? The Chiefs. First of all, the Chiefs are good this year because of their uh, because of their defense. And and some certain aspects of their game, Pacheco actually showed up in certain games and disappeared in other games. They uh, Travis Kelsey is a shell of himself. Maybe he's, maybe it's age. Maybe it's injury. Maybe teams are starting to figure out. Hey, you take Travis Kelsey out of the game, they can't beat you. Rice was pretty good this year. Yeah. I mean, they have oh, weapons. They have weapons. I'm not saying they they're top weapons. They don't. They don't. Their weapons are Marquez Valdez Scantling. Oh please! <laughs> he, he actually got dropped, and then they brought him back. Tony. Well, we you Nicole liked him. Hartman. You liked him, Mister Human Nicole, Joystick. I still, I still like Tony. I think it's a confidence thing. Mm. I, I honestly think it's a confidence thing. It's like a Chuck Knobloch thing with him because he has a, a shit ton of talent. That dude, when he gets going, he's great. And then, but it's just tough to get him going. Well, he showed up in the playoffs last year, especially in the he Super was Bowl. The reason why they won a Super Bowl. He he showed up in the Super Bowl, but throughout the season, he was uh he he played the dropathon. Yeah, and he was also a healthy scratch for some games too. <laughs> Shows everything he's, he's the human like, dropathon. That's yes. what I call right, it. But but if you notice though, like because everyone's still stuck on like the week one thing, he had all the drops. Week two, he was fantastic. No, we're also stuck on three weeks ago when he lined up offensively offsides. Well, that was another thing too, <laughs> which cost the Chiefs the game. Yep. Well, that that wasn't him that lined up offsides. That's the Wefawee's fault. The Wefawee should give him a break. Wefawee. Tell him to line up. But yeah, yeah, they give him a break, but they won't give the Lions a break. <laughs> And that's also a coaching thing, by the way. Did you ever notice an Andy Reid teams always have trouble lining up on sides? They do. They did it against the Browns a couple of years ago in the playoffs. Yep. They made a and couple they, of mistakes. They did it against the Patriots in the playoffs twice. Remember when Brady threw the interception over Gronk's head? But yep. Chris, Chris Jones D4, was lined yeah. up D4, off. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or yeah, D4, I, I thought that. it was Chris Jones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember. Right. No, but Chris, Chris had Jones had that sack that was taken away from the ball. That's terrible roughing the passer. Mm-hmm. Too, though. <clears throat> Right, like that's a that's a coaching thing. That's a total coaching thing. 
As great as Andy Reid is, he's terrible at telling people where to line up. And again, I still think Andy Reid is a top two coach right now in the NFL. You can't even argue that. Oh, yeah. But he also has a top quarterback and, and, he, I mean, and arguably argue the that. best tight end in football. I mean, you, you can argue that, right? You can argue that he's a top two uh, coach. Look at what the offense is doing, right? Like, I hate to be this dude, but Eric Bieniemy was there for a really long time making that offense go and hum and, and look really good. And then when Tyreek left uh, the year before last year, right, that offense was still going pretty good. Oh, we're still pretty good. We're still moving the ball. Eric Bieniemy leaves, and now look at the Chiefs. Well, they stink. Well, again, that's how you bring back the great Matt Nagy. And here's the problem, too. Eric Bieniemy, who should get a job, for some reason doesn't interview very well. If he did, he'd have a coaching job right now. You don't know that he doesn't interview well. 14 in teams room. interviewed him. 14. Two, actually, I think two teams interviewed him twice. And they still right. didn't want to hire him. Right. People go into these things already knowing what they're doing because you can't go he's gotten 14 interviews because I would be willing to bet you 12 of those interviews were just to satisfy now, the hold reading. hold on first of all I said two teams interviewed him twice so that was four and right the rest well, right. it was 14 times he was interviewed 14 right and how and how many times was it just to satisfy the room I don't know but the fact is he doesn't have a job he doesn't have a job he does have a job no he, he's an offensive coordinator and maybe he gets the Washington uh commander's job Bobby. That's the same job he had in Kansas City, though. He yes. Was the offense and the reason why, why did he leave Kansas City? Why did he leave Kansas City? Because he felt like he needed a new challenge. How's that? No, he left Kansas City because he wanted to prove himself, and he didn't want to be under uh, a guy like Andy Reid. Everybody was saying, this is Andy Reid's offense, and you're right. running and, Andy Reid's offense, and he was getting all the credit. Now he went right. to Sam Howell, and, and Sam Howell and had a good season, yeah. Right, and look what happened. Let's give Andy Reid credit for ruining the Chiefs' offense. I don't know if he ruined the Chiefs' offense. Again, there's still somebody else to blame first, and his name is Matt Nagy. And, and again, he wasn't the greatest head coach in Chicago. Their offense wasn't bad. I think it was in the top top eight, top seven this year. Dog shit. How is it dog crap when you're you're in it? I think they're ranked seventh in all offense. I think scoring offense, they're tied, they're eighth. I think yards offense, they're twelfth or something. But it doesn't matter. They're amongst that's the not all best. coaching either. They're still doing good concepts. They have wise. no number one wide receiver, as as Jeff you know wants to tell us. And then obviously oh, no, they're true. still putting that's up the numbers. True. And we gave right. this same credit to the Giants last year when they had those god awful wide receivers. And Brian Dable was still, even though their offense was ranked 16th, he was still thought of as a good coach. Now you can't downplay Andy Reid for the same thing. That Wink Martindale and and obviously uh, Dable thing is going to grow legs by the end of the season. I I definitely want to see what's going to happen with the Giants. That that story. Who cares about the Giants? This is Jets country. <laughs> Jeff, thank you for calling, bud. This is just all Jets all the time, man. Let's go. Oh, here we go. Jeff from Tampa, ladies and gentlemen. The Philadelphia Inquirer. Marcus Hayes reported after the Eagles' 35-31 loss against the Cardinals that there is tension tearing this team apart. Reports have mentioned that it has been with A.J. Brown and head coach Nick Seriani starting after their loss against the Seahawks. Brown declined to speak to the media after the game, but did speak to the media today, sticking up for Seriani and taking the blame for the Eagles' offensive woes. Brown also took shots at reporters for singling him out. 
when he said all his teammates have been frustrated with how they have played in the last five weeks. Brown said it is also false narrative that people are saying he is demanding the ball and is the loud one in the offense. Edge rusher Hassan Reddick was also reportedly frustrated with Seriani for his role in the defense. The Eagles switched defensive coordinators from uh, Sean Desai to Matt Patricia before their game versus the Seahawks and have allowed 26.6 points per game in that span. First of all, (laughs) we all know who Matt Patricia is. He was the offensive coordinator for the Patriots last season. With our friend Joe Judge. Yep. Uh, I know he's a scientist and a rocket extraordinaire. I mean, that's what he is. And I listen, I think Matt Patricia was a great defensive coordinator under Bill Belichick. But I think everybody, every defensive coordinator that has worked under Bill Belichick was good. I mean, seriously, go look at the number. Bill Belichick is a mastermind. He's a great defensive mind. And I'm not taking that away from Matt Patricia, but we saw him when he coached for the Lions a couple of years. That defense was putrid. That offense was really bad. And again, is Matt Patricia the answer to taking over this defense going into the playoffs? That made no sense. You're going to fire your defensive coordinator, what, with two games left of the season? Does that make any sense? You're going to start a complete unknown defense going into the playoffs. It doesn't make sense. And that, and again, I think Seriani has been a very good coach in the league. But for, for him to change this, the way he changed it at the end of the season makes absolutely no sense. And again, you also look at this defense the way it's been for years, too. Ever since the, uh, the Eagles hired Doug Peterson in 2016, it's always been an attacking 4-3 defense. And they were, the last time they were a 3-4 was when Chip Kelly was coaching. Remember, their defense those years were horrible, too, despite having good talent. All this defensive line talent carried over, and they still had good corner uh, safety play. They had great safety play and linebackers. Now they have good corner play that's being misused. They have good pass rushing play that's now being back into a 3-4 defense, which is taking, off the, taking away from from their role as a sack machine that they were last year. Remember, they had 73 sacks or something last year. And Hassan Reddick was a big part of that. Hassan Reddick was a huge this part of that. This hurts his defensive style of game. And Hassan Reddick, at one point, I think week 10 or 11, something like that, was one of the top five guys in sacks in the league. And all of a sudden, I think he only has two in the last six games. So I have every right to believe that he has a right to be frustrated, too. Matt Patricia's trying to bring this hybrid Patriots You hear that, everybody? Defense. Everybody, Speedy has every right to be angry. Did you hear that? You hear that? Yeah. Yeah. Scoop said it. You, and now you said it. Go yeah. Ahead, if I was Hassan Reddick, I would. You have every right. I'm sorry. Yeah. If I was Hassan Reddick, I would definitely. You can't handle the truth. I would definitely be more about that kind of role, too. Now, Reddick's played in three, four defenses in the past, so I, I, I think he's more used to it than some of these other players, but still, he has every right to be frustrated. And same kind of thing with A.J. Brown, too. When A.J. Brown. I made fun of you because you said you. At every right. And A.J. Brown in this role in this offense, too, recently <laughs> has been disappearing, really since the 49ers game. They have not had a big role for him. When he was the second-best statistical wide receiver in the league through 11 weeks before that, all of a sudden they keep use, misusing him. They misuse their running backs. Their running game has not been the same way. Jalen Hurts has been turnover-prone, and they've not adjusted to that kind of thing. And all the Eagles fans that wanted, the, wanted their offensive coordinator being fired, I think is getting a little more justified at this point. I don't think it's completely on Sirianni, but 
these coordinators, these new rookie coordinators that have come in with their other coaches going elsewhere, it's starting to become a problem. You can understand why the Bills decided to part ways with their offensive coordinator. And it's worked. Mm -hmm. It's worked for Josh Allen. But it didn't happen at the end of the season. It happened, what, seven, eight games into the season. So it gave them a little bit more time to figure out how they're going to run their offense. Now you bring in a new defensive coordinator with two games left of the season. You're going to playoffs running a completely different defense where you have all these explosive players that are going to have to figure out how they're going to run this defense moving forward. It doesn't make any sense. This is a bad move by Nick Seriani. If he was going to make this change, he should have made it a long time ago. A long time ago. And again, if your offense is really struggling as much as it has, like Seriani could just take over play calling himself too. That's maybe the one thing I will blame him for, but still, like most of it, I think is on the game planning. It's on the coaching. We were talking about it when they played the Jets. Like, how bad was their game plan against the Jets? <laughs> and the Jets, who have no offense whatsoever, were able Absolutely to win that zilch. game. Absolutely zilch. And same kind of thing here. The Cardinals have no defense to speak of whatsoever. Their defense has been abysmal all year. They're the worst run defense in the NFL, and they barely run the ball. A.J. Brown is not having this, like, world-class game. I think Goddard in a nice game and Smith in a nice game. Fine, but they're not really game planning. It's the best of their advantage. And their defense, which the Cardinals' offense, Kyler Murray's played well, but he's not overly productive offense besides that. McBride's okay as a nice young rookie tight end. They have no receivers to speak of, and they're lighting you up for 35 points. Like, something is going on here coaching-wise, game-planning-wise, and late in the game, too. They're crumbling. And, and by the way, Devontae Smith suffer, suffers an ankle sprain. And, and to me, an ankle sprain, if it's a high ankle sprain, he could be out a significant amount of time. But if it's mm-hmm. a low ankle sprain, he's not going to be 100%, even if he sits out this week going into the playoffs. That's bad. And A.J. Brown... I, I, I have to give A.J. Brown a lot of credit. This is a guy that sits back. He knows how talented he is. He is a top three, top four wide receiver in the league. He was a top three, top four wide receiver in my eyes when he played for Tennessee. And the fact that he has a problem with the coach and then comes back at the, the next day after the game and really doesn't throw the coach under the bus. He didn't want to answer any of the questions and then sticks up for the coach the next day when he knows the coach was absolutely wrong for what he did throughout the game. Says a lot about A.J. Brown. Says a lot about his character. So for any of the Philadelphia fans that have said things on social media about A.J. Brown or even some of the people that didn't like A.J. Brown that is not a Philadelphia fan, shame on you because this guy is a class act. He is a classy person for him to come out and, and really take all the blame for the offensive woes. Yeah, it looks like a lot of these Eagle fans, even today, when he came out with the comments, are taking his side for the most part. Now! Too, because they've been... F- now! Now, yes. Right. And it's understandable... Not yesterday! No. <laughs> not yes. Not in an immediate reaction, because like like any other like super loud, passionate sports city that people some people call arrogant and annoying, they're going to be reactionary. We said the same thing with, with Yankee fans, with Giancarlo Stanton. And, Please. And, and, like, everyone was saying, oh, he had a bad slump, so they started booing him. And, obviously, there's other fan bases like that, too. Chicago, Boston, etc. They were in the moment reacting because they had a really bad loss that should never have happened to the Arizona Cardinals, a loss that is going to possibly cost them the division if somehow Dallas doesn't blow it against Washington. But even so, A.J. Brown has never been thought of as this quote-unquote diva wide receiver that you've seen with other these other guys, too. It's not like you're dealing with somebody like Tyree Kill that likes to run his mouth or one of those types of receivers. Like, Debo Samuel loves to talk. A.J. Brown has never been that type of player. His college teammate, D.K. Metcalf, loves to talk. A.J. Brown's never been thought of that way. He's always been thought of as more that humble type. He'll make a comment here and there, but like he's had most of his issues have come when it comes to just being inconsistent in the playoffs. But beyond that, he's a great wide receiver. And probably before this recent stretch, 
the second best statistical wide receiver in the league. He's been unbelievable this year. And and again, everybody keeps talking about how great Tyree Kill's been this year. Don't take away with a, a guy of this magnitude. And by the way, and I'm going to say this, A.J. Brown has been as good as Tyree Kill. Maybe his numbers don't stand out as much as Tyree Kill, but in certain games, they stood out. And he did it against very good teams this year. It's not like, and I'm going to say, Tyree Kill did it against anybody. He did it against good good defensive backs and bad defensive backs. Right. But so did A.J. Brown. Now, I'm not saying A.J. Brown had, uh, he was better than Tyree Kill this year, but he was right. It was neck and neck with him. Jefferson would have been right there, too, if he didn't right. get hurt. But he got hurt. So, to me, the two best wide receivers in football this year, actually three, I would say Tyree Kill, A.J. Brown, and C.D. Lamb. Yep. C.D. Lamb is only because of A.J. Brown's recent slump just surpassed him in every category now because C.D. Lamb's been on but again, yeah. But again, I'm, I'm going to go back to this whole uh, Matt Patricia thing. This doesn't make any sense. If you sit back and you wonder, the Eagles are making the playoffs. They're going into the playoffs. They're, they're limping in the playoffs. Right. They're limping. Actually, they're probably, they had one leg cut off and they're hobbling into the playoffs. And, and, and honestly, they have to figure out, they got to figure this out very quickly. Because if they go into the playoffs, and they're going to have one, at least one home game. If they go into the playoffs and they play a team that's getting hot at the end of the season and sneak into the playoffs, they could be knocked out in the wild card game. Mm-hmm. What uh, this recent performance of defense shows you that you can trust any level of that. Even the game they won recently, they allowed 25 points against the Giants. The Giants have only scored 30 points in two games this season. Against... They could play the Seahawks in the first game. Uh, no, they'll both, uh, they're both it... be wild card. They would play the Buccaneers or the Saints, whoever wins that division. Okay, so it would be the Buccaneers more than likely. Most likely the Buccaneers, who have good wide receivers too. They yeah. have uh, Baker Mayfield playing well. And it's a well-coached offense. They play the. They, I think the Buccaneers knock them out right they now. They definitely could because the Buccaneers also hung tough with them in the first uh, their first meeting in the regular season. It was Week Four before Tampa was really that much established. They lost their identity against the Jets. As soon as they lost that game against the New York Jets, with all the mistakes, and they won a couple of games after that, and they sure. were playing decent football, but you could tell they lost their identity. The Jets outplayed them in so many ways in their game and. If you remember the Eagles last year, they were very sloppy at the end of the season. Maybe because Jalen Hurts was hurt. Maybe that. But right. even sneaking into the playoffs the way they did. And they didn't sneak. They made the playoffs. But they, again, crawled into the playoffs. In the first game, the first game throughout the playoffs, they did not look good. Okay? And against the Giants, it was a different game. Obviously, oh, yeah. <laughs> they exploded. And then they changed everything when they went into the NFC title game. But, again... If if it wasn't for them knocking out Brock Purdy, maybe they don't go to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I think also the difference with last year and this year is last year they were playing more conservative because of Jalen Hurts and because they had pretty much the division locked up at this point. Dallas came back and had a nice uh, wild card run to get them higher in the standings and like their point differential was good, so people still thought they were good, but they were never a real threat for the division because the Eagles were pretty much two or three games up the entire year. This year has not been that same case because the Eagles had that slump and even the games they won. One, they struggled in. They should have beat the Bills outplayed the Eagles. The Eagles won in overtime, but they didn't look good in that game. Like I said, the Giants scored 25 points on them. The Cardinals, the, the actively Cardinals, taking Cardinals, the Cardinals at the start of the year. Is that a quack? Is that a, the, the, give me a it's qu- a chirp? Yeah, no, give me give me a chirp. Give me a cardinal sound. Give me a cardinal sound. Come on. <laughs> It's a songbird. It's the best songbird I could do. A songbird. 
and I can't whistle, so I can't even go there. But... I, uh, well, I was a duck. I, I don't. I don't even know what Cardinal sounds like. So I was. I was quacking. Yes, but that offense that just gets their quarterback the back that? about a month ago puts up thirty-five points. Again, they have a good running back. They have a good tight end. This is not a great offensive line, yet the Eagles couldn't get any pressure on the quarterback. And they allow 35 points. There is definitely much more concern this year with this Eagles team than last year's Eagles team. And a lot of that has to do with assistant coaches, which that's why I don't blame Sirianni as much. But Sirianni has to figure things out, overpower himself as the head coach. With the Panthers' loss to the Jaguars in Week 17, the Bears have locked in the number one pick in the draft this year. Many executives believe that Justin Fields will likely be traded if the front office likes the way Caleb Williams handles himself in the pre-draft process. The Raiders and the Falcons are two teams interested in Fields if he becomes available. During the Bears' win against the Falcons, many fans were chanting for Justin Fields, saying, We all want Justin! Can we do it together? We We all all want want Justin! We all want Justin! Do it again. We all want Justin! All right, you're terrible. I don't want to hear your voice. I'm not a Bears fan. Uh, (laughs) Many Bears players, including Montez Sweat, Eddie Jackson, DJ Moore, have shown their support to Fields and want him as their franchise quarterback moving forward. The Bears also announced that both head coaches, Matt Eberflus and GM Ryan Poles, will be returning for another season. Big mistake, by the way. The Bears are a top 10 in both offense and defense since Fields' return in Week 11 and are 4-2 and two in those games. Fields would be entering his fourth season in the league, which means they would have to decide on his fifth-year option before the draft, which would be about $25 million. First of all, I love Justin Fields. I do not believe, just like Kyler Murray, I do not believe the Chicago Bears should draft a quarterback. I think they have a quarterback. They need to build with this quarterback. You're bringing in Caleb Williams. You're bringing in any one of these guys. A Bo Nix. I'm just saying. He's not going one. I'm just saying. But, hey, maybe Chicago decides that they're going to trade down and draft the quarterback at the end of the draft. Who knows? I have no idea what the Bears are thinking. But, honestly... Caleb Williams is the same type of quarterback as Justin Fields. Justin Fields is not as accurate as Caleb Williams. But Justin Fields has just as good arm as Caleb Williams. He's faster than Caleb Williams. And he changes defenses against him. Justin Fields makes you have to change your defense at the line of scrimmage. I don't know if Caleb Williams does that. And here's the problem with Caleb Williams. I think he's a great quarterback. He's sensational. He came out and said he wants to own a piece of a team, (laughs) which makes absolutely no sense. That can't happen. We've seen this before. We've seen players try to do that. It's not going to happen. The NFL will not allow it. But this guy has been a cocky kid for the last two seasons. And I love Caleb Williams. I think he's going to be a sensational quarterback in the NFL. I really do. If, If they develop him right, wherever he goes, he is going to be a monster in the NFL. But if he goes to the wrong team, a.k.a. the Jets, I know, I'm a Jet fan, he could fail. He could fail. And this is the problem. The Chicago Bears and a lot of these teams still looking for their quarterback. The Chicago Bears have never had a franchise quarterback. Never. If you go, even when they won the Super Bowl in 85-86, they never really had a franchise quarterback. That defense was explosive. They were 
as good a defense we've ever seen in history. A Buddy Ryan defense. I honestly believe they have a franchise quarterback here. Justin Fields is a franchise quarterback. And if they decide to part ways with him, they're not going to get a first-round draft pick for him because, one, he can't stay healthy, and, two, he hasn't put up the numbers enough to be consistent enough to get a first-round draft pick. So right now, if you look at Justin Fields, you might be able to get a second and a fourth. You might, just like a Sam Darnold. You'll get a second and a fourth, and then you maybe you can build around those guys. Hey, the Jets did. The Jets got a lot back for Sam Darnold. But I, I think the Jets regret trading Sam Donald after seeing what Zach Wilson turned into. Well, yeah, you, the, the process is going to be very different than who you end up drafting as a quarterback. Especially so. the players. Yeah, you have Montez Sweat, Eddie Jackson, DJ Moore. These are these are franchise players. These are going to be Montez Fresh uh, Sweat just signed a big time contract. Mm-hmm. DJ Moore is going to be there for a significant amount of time. Eddie Jackson is one of their best young players in on, on their team. If you're hearing all three players come out and stick up for a guy like Justin Fields, why would you decide to part ways with him? Yeah, and again, you also look at the process of doing it again, trying to do it with a different quarterback altogether. That You have to hope that these coaches can be able to mature. If it is Caleb Williams, that's going to be an additional challenge. If he's not that type of maturity-level quarterback that we think he could be, it, but he was in college at the end of the season, that's going to be a whole different thing. Drake May, same kind of thing. We, he doesn't have those maturity issues, but it's a whole different scheme. Those altogether. North Carolina quarterbacks, I don't trust them. <laughs> I really don't. Everybody keeps saying, well, Drake May, Drake May. I, first of all, after watching Penix play for Washington mm-hmm. and he's going to the national championship, yep. shame on Mel Kuyper putting him as the fifth best quarterback <laughs> in this class. Well, that, kid, that kid is going to be a beast. <laughs> that kid reminds me of a Lamar Jackson. He really, he's a better Lamar Jackson. And it's crazy to say that because Lamar Jackson looks like he's going to win his second MVP in the last, what, five years, six mm-hmm. years? It's unbelievable, and he could win the Super Bowl this year. And I think Penix is just as good as Lamar Jackson was when he left Louisville. Mm -hmm. And you also look at the process of where the Bears are at right now. Because this quarterback class is so riveted as it is, you're going to get a lot more value than what you traded up when you had the number one pick last year, too. Carolina gave up a bunch of first-round picks and some mid-tier picks, and obviously DJ Moore. But you're going to get a package probably close to double that if Caleb Williams is that level of maturity for the NFL. Because athletically, he's the most talented quarterback prospect we've seen probably since Andrew Luck. So they already have that on their side to their advantage. And Justin Fields has proven that he could be a part of this offense, an offense that has had injuries with running backs, had injuries with wide receivers. He had got hurt, obviously. And since he's come back, I think there's some advanced stats he's not great in, but besides that, he's been a pretty consistent quarterback. And they haven't had to do it in much of a volume, so maybe Fields has to see how that happens. But this is a team that has not had the adversity on their side. It's not like Justin Fields is playing with the Miami Dolphins skill players and struggling. That would be different. DJ Moore and Cole Komet are really all they got. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. Just like Jeff, you can call the show. You can interact with us. We'll give you a chance to speak. But you're right, Speedy. Justin Fields didn't have any weapons until this year. They finally made a trade, and they added DJ Moore. DJ Moore was back and forth all season long. They had to build chemistry. They finally built chemistry. Then, obviously, the the situation with Justin Fields, he gets hurt. Mm -hmm. He was out a significant amount of time. He comes back. I think he missed like four games. He comes back, and then it took him a little while to get his feet right under him. So I think Justin Fields deserves another chance to take over for this team. And being that you have the number one pick, and right now, I think eighth or ninth right now, sitting there. I don't know where. Go to Tankathon Speedy, find out where they're, where they're sitting. I think they're at one right now and nine. I think they're right behind the Jets at eight. 
So if you're you're sitting here today, if you're sitting sitting, I trade that number one pick. I'd I'd start building with those picks. You could get three first round draft picks. Anybody wants Caleb Williams or Drake May or Penix? If Penix does very well at the combine, you can you can give up that pick and get a significant amount back for them. They're currently ten right now. Falcons are nine, and so they Vegas, have one in ten. Vegas is eleven. Yep. So and they can still move up depending on all that. they have to do. Honestly, is trade down probably six or seven spots. You can get a, an additional two first round and two second round draft. Picks. Maybe oh, yeah. even more than that. Mm-hmm. If somebody wants Caleb Williams or somebody wants Drake May, honestly, or a Penix, you can change your franchise right there. And this is something that Chicago's done for the last couple of years. This makes a lot of sense if they want to rebuild. Why would you decide to part ways with a guy like Justin Fields, who has a tremendous amount of talent? You traded up for yes, you gave up another first round draft pick with the New York Giants. What was it three years ago to move up to get? Justin Fields, and because of injury and because you never gave him any weapons until his third season, you're you're deciding, hey, you know what? He's not good enough. We're going to part ways with him. It's a big mistake, and I'm going to tell you right now, shame on the Jets if they don't look at Justin Fields in the offseason. I would give up. They don't have a second-round draft pick. Mm-hmm. Give up a second next year and a third this year, and you could get, you could get Justin Fields sitting behind Aaron Rodgers because, again, you can't trust Aaron Rodgers to play in an in, in 18-week season. I don't know if he plays 18 weeks. I think you're better off believing that he'll play 14, 15 weeks and get him for the playoffs if they figure out the offensive woes that they have. Right, and also you, there's two things that help the Bears too because Justin Fields, if they do give him that, f- that fifth-year option, it's $25 million, which is definitely affordable for them, a team that hasn't paid as many big contracts. They've spent on Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards on defense in the offseason. Obviously, they paid sweat like you were saying. And DJ Moore, they're, uh, they're get, taking on the last two years of his deal which are a lot. That's it. That, everything else is young on that team. And the Justin Fields getting it for $25 million, that's what Jimmy Garoppolo is getting paid right now. He's right? underpaid. Yeah. So that is not really that big of a risk as it is. And then there's also the option of how far you could trade back to. You can go easily get a second wide receiver for him. If which- I were the Patriots right now and if Justin Fields becomes available, I would absolutely put all my marbles in in going after Justin Fields and take that pick that you have at number what are they three right now yeah and take that pick and draft either an offensive lineman or a key wide receiver they haven't had a number one wide receiver since I don't know Randy Moss yeah okay go draft a great wide receiver you could get I don't know if Marvin Harrison will be there where where are the Patriots drafting you add it up right the now. Patriots are third right now Arizona is four all right so you could get Marvin Harrison Jr. at three because I know Arizona is definitely going to put all their marbles into Marvin Harrison if he's sitting there at four. I don't think Harrison is going one or two because I think both teams at one and two are drafting a quarterback, whoever moves up in that one spot. So Marvin Harrison will be there at three. I think you bring in Justin Fields, you go after Marvin Harrison, and then you you, you could build your team right around those two two weapons that you have. It makes a lot of sense. I, I think it's a big mistake what the Chicago Bears are doing. And the GM will be fired for this. And by the way, Eberflus should not have a job. He should not have a job. I don't care where they're ranked in the last, I don't know, seven, six games uh, since week 11. It doesn't sell to me, okay? I've seen enough of Eberflus. He's, I would say at some points this year, he lost the locker room. Oh, yeah. He, he did, but how do you bring him back? Mm-hmm. I, again, <laughs> you, you had Lovey Smith there for years. Remember Lovey Smith? He was there for, what, nine, ten years? Right. And this is a guy that took you to one Super Bowl, but nevertheless... Eberflus has not accomplished anything 
that Lovey Lovey Smith did, and then you decided to part ways with Lovey Smith because he had one bad season. Yeah, it's it's a weird dilemma because you look at Everflus the second half turnaround with this defense. Like him coaching the defense has been very good. Now I think the main issue, like we were talking about with the Eagles, is the fact that the coordinators have sometimes held Justin Fields and this offense back, and certain points the defense as well. That's on Luke Getzey. Now here's the other side though: the Chargers thought that same kind of thing with Brandon Staley, fired their offensive coordinator, brought in Kellen Moore, and how badly did that backfire oh, this year? Moore. Yeah. Kellen Moore, the offensive guru for the Dallas Cowboys. Yep. Oh my God. Do you see the Chargers offense this year? Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. It was unbelievable. Justin Fields had a breakout year after getting over $240 million. Congratulations to Kellen Moore sucking it up again. And guess who else was sucking it up again? Brandon Staley, that same quote-unquote defensive genius that did well. Nathaniel Hackett being another one. Yeah, Brandon Staley did well that first year defensively. The second year, they were kind of good at points, but they were never a consistently good defense. And this year, they're the worst defense in the NFL for most of the season. Wonderful. That's that's your great Brandon Staley that you decided to bring back for one more year. So that's the risk you run bringing Everflus back. What I love as a defensive coordinator, as a head coach, he has not shown much whatsoever. But this usually happens in the NFL. A lot of these guys, these coordinators, they're not two-way guys and 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 AK Robert Sala he the Jets defense is one of the the league's best problem is everything else stinks their special teams this was one of the best special teams in the league that's why they kept their special teams coach the New York Jets they decided to keep the special he was the only coach kept by that regime he was the only one and that because of the fact of what the special teams did year in and year out they bring in Robert Sala, and this special teams has been putrid, okay? Absolutely horrific. And this offense, as bad as Mike LaFleur was, this offense is even worse. Even worse. I understand, ladies and gentlemen, there is no Aaron Rodgers this year. I understand that, and we're going to get into that with Matt O'Leary, uh, okay? I, I'm, I'm, I have a lot to say, with Matt, say to Matt, and uh, Matt, I did a podcast a while ago on another show, and I was actually a special guest uh, host of the show, and I interviewed Matt O'Leary, and me and him went back and forth. Matt knows his Jets, and we will get into the Jets. This team is not going to win with Robert Sala. They're just not. They're not winning with Robert Sala. They're not going to win with Nathaniel Hackett. As good as Aaron Rodgers is going to make them next year. And they'll probably win 11, 10, 11 games, maybe 12 games next year. It's not going to make a difference because there's no leadership in that locker room. None. I'm not talking about the players. I'm, I'm talking about the specifics of the coaches. And if you don't have a coach that can coach men, there's a big problem. A.K. Deion Sanders, who came out and said that he doesn't want to coach men, he wants to coach boys. And the reason why is, as soon as you get into a, a man locker room, when it comes to money, they all think that they're better than you. They all think that they know more than you. And they don't care if you're a Hall of Fame corner. You don't, they don't care if you're a, a known player that played in a league in the 80s and the 90s. Because in the end, it's all about what have you done for me lately? And that's the, the decision for the Bears. Interesting. They have to be so sure that the relationship is not shattered between Everflus and Justin Fields of what it was at the beginning of the season. It was getting really ugly at the beginning of the season. They were taking shots at all these other coaches, and Everflus did nothing to do to stabilize that kind of thing. Now, Ryan Poles, I think, has done a nice job as a GM. Obviously, He's getting, all right. Getting those draft picks. I think Isn't they, his father, he was a GM? I'm think, not sure offhand. But I think his father was a GM years ago. If that's the case, that may, it, fit, it fits nicely, because I think the Bears draft picks, especially on defense, have been very good the last couple of years. Now, it took them a while because they had no pass rush for a while to get going on defense, but they're, most of their second pieces, their young linebackers have been very good. 
And the offensive line has been very good this year for the yep. Bears. Getting Braxton Jones healthy as a fifth-round pick has been a nice tackle. They are obviously drafting Darnell Wright this year in the first round. And they've done well. Komet was his pick, too. Like They've done well with getting those pieces together. But he has to be so sure that Matt Eberflus and Justin Fields are going to have a good relationship with each other if they want to keep him going forward. Otherwise, they're going to have to trade Fields. They have no choice. Cardinals head coach Jonathan Gannon said on the Burns and Gambo show, that there is no doubt Kyler Murray will be their quarterback next season. Murray will be entering the third year of his five-year $230 million contract. His contract has a cap hit of $43 million for the rest of the deal. Murray has suffered multiple injuries in his career, including a torn ACL that kept him out for most of this season. In seven games since returning from the injury, Murray has 1,537 passing yards, nine passing touchdowns, five interceptions, 211 rushing yards, and three rushing touchdowns. The Cardinals are 3-4 and four in those games with wins against teams that were in the playoffs or have a playoff spot, beating the Falcons, the Steelers, and the Eagles. The Cardinals currently hold the fourth pick in the draft after upsetting the Eagles in Week 17. First of all, Kyler Murray, I believe, and me and you, Speedy, we have stood out and stuck up. And I say stood out because everybody gave up. On Kyler Murray. After what he did, uh, what was it, two seasons ago, speaking in a third person, getting knocked out of the playoffs. Yes, getting knocked out of the playoffs by the Rams, who, by the way, won the Super Bowl. We stood up for a guy like Kyler Murray, who has really thrown himself under the bus over the last couple of years. But the kid has a tremendous amount of talent. He's a very accurate quarterback. He doesn't have the size, but we have seen quarterbacks at his size become successful. Russell Wilson being one of them. He's been successful before he decided to move to you know Denver. Uh, but nevertheless, he had a pretty good season, but it hasn't worked out over there because of his cocky ego. But we've seen Drew Brees. Drew Brees is another quarterback. Kyler Murray can use his legs. He can throw. He could do all those things that you expect a quarterback to do now in the game these days. But again, Kyler Murray is a significant significant personality in that locker room. Now, I I believe Arizona needs to stop drafting quarterbacks. Uh, the Rosen situation didn't work out after a year. You decide to go and, 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 and draft Kyler Murray as your number one pick, and then you bring in a coach because the coach believes in Kyler Murray, and you th- he thought he can run his offense through Kyler Murray. It didn't work for those last couple of years, and that's why he was fired. But Kyler Murray, can, he's a game changer. He can change a game with his legs and his throwing potential. The problem right now with Arizona is they don't have any weapons. Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, I know he's a very good friend of Kyler Murray, and that's why he was traded there. They don't have a game-changing wide receiver. And John Connor will probably not be back next year. He's been sensational since they signed him over there. And we all remember him with Pittsburgh, the cancer situation. He went over there with the Cardinals for the last two, three years and has been sensational for them. But he is not re-signing with them. And they're probably not going to invest in a running back because it's not affordable in the contract that they gave to a guy like Kyler Murray. So, and they're not going to go after a big name wide receiver because Kyler Murray is making a significant amount of money and they need to invest their money in other positions that they're weak in. So, when you look at Kyler Murray, 
You have control of him. And right now, if you look at his contract compared to all the elite quarterbacks in the league, he's underpaid. So you're sitting there right now. You have a good quarterback, a quarterback you can win with, who's underpaid. If you look at Joe Burrow's money right now, Joe Burrow is making over $50 million. Patrick Mahomes is making over $50 million. You, Josh Allen's making closer to $50 million. All these quarterbacks. Uh, Dak Prescott's going to make over $50 million. He is... I wouldn't say he's elite until he does it for a full season again. But you have a potential elite quarterback right now who's being underpaid. And you add a top-end Marvin Harrison or a neighbors. You put a beast of a weapon like that on the other side to, to give him a weapon, an, an explosive weapon like Jamar Chase for, with Joe Burrow. You're, you're talking about numbers like uh, a guy like Neighbor who can, as a rookie, have 11 or 12 touchdowns and, and have over 1,300, 1,400 yards. And again, you also look at the value that Kyler Murray would have in the trade market being he signed a big contract. It's not going to be much. Like with the Bears with Justin Fields, we can expect him to get a second-round pick because he's not being paid anything right now. Mm-hmm. Kyler Murray is not going to have that kind of thing when you have $43 million plus of dead cap coming the next three years. Then he has a player option he can opt into. But he is a weapon. And I do. Sure. I, I, do believe you if if Kyler Murray finishes the season up strong, you can probably get a late first round draft pick for Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, here's the thing: he's proven. Kyler Murray has taken this team to the playoffs. He's put up big numbers in a season. He's proven that he can do it. Hence the reason why they gave him a five year, two hundred and thirty million dollar contract. Justin Fields hasn't fully proved it because Justin Fields has used his legs more than his arm because they never gave him weapons. Kyler Murray. You know, over the years, he had weapons. They decided to send one of his weapons <laughs> to the Jaguars, which we were so surprised after the money that uh, um, Kirk. Kirk, uh, Christian Kirk got. I was so surprised that Christian Kirk got the money, the 70-something million dollar contract that he got, and then automatically changed my mind after the first season putting up the numbers that he did. Christian Kirk was the real deal, and that was the last good wide receiver. I don't want to hear about Hopkins. Hopkins... He had an up and down career with yeah. the with the Arizona Cardinals. Christian Kirk, when he was on the field, he had good seasons over there in Arizona. Right. This is also an organization too that's had trouble drafting wide receivers recently and has just had trouble keeping those player relationships going too. And that's something that hurts Kyler Murray. Now, Kyler Murray, from a physical perspective, is still very athletic and gifted as a quarterback. Absolutely. The other thing that goes against him, though, is his injury history, too, which is not ideal. It's every quarterback. I know. But it definitely is going to make a risk for a team trying to trade significant assets to get somebody like Kyler Murray. So I think the Cardinals are doing the right thing and realizing, okay, since we're not going to trade the, get the trade value we're expecting, we're going to not going to sell short. We're going to keep and build this guy and build up the rest of the team. Because the Cardinals purged a lot of their defense. They, they traded away Byron Murphy, they, uh, Buda Baker. They were thinking of trading. They just couldn't find a partner for him. They, he's a free agent. Yeah, and now he's a free agent, so they'll lose him. The, like you said, they traded away Hopkins' contract, and they are going to lose James Conner. So these are guys that are getting the biggest contracts on their team already gone. So Kyler Murray is really built with a lot of these, these younger players that are on rookie deals or smaller deals where they can make the rest of that draft stock work. They have two first-round picks this year. They have one from Houston, which was a better team than expected, so it's going to be a middle first-round pick. But they still have a lot of draft stock to be able to rebuild on that kind of thing. And also, you brought in an Eagles offensive mind. Why not have Kyler Murray try to become what Jalen Hurts was last year? Like It's very possible to have that kind of thing He's happen. better than Jalen Hurts. He is more accurate than Jalen Hurts. He could put up those numbers. He could throw 
300 yards every single game if they give him weapons. Mm -hmm. This is a big problem. Justin Fields, how do we know what Justin Fields is? How do we know what Justin Fields could be if they never, he never had weapons? DJ Moore is the first weapon they gave him. The first weapon. And Comet is a, is a good tight end. He, he, he looks like he's, a, he's an elusive tight end. But they, th that's the problem. You need game-changing wide receivers. They don't have one. And, and that's the problem right now with the Cardinals. They don't have any of them. So, and Marquise Brown, fine. Hollywood Brown, he's not Antonio Brown. He's not his cousin. I think that's his cousin. Yeah. Yep. It's not Antonio Brown, even though he's out of his damn freaking mind. <laughs> I mean, I, I know, maybe CTE, maybe he just likes to put his head in places he shouldn't put his head. But nevertheless, I mean, maybe he's been hit by a bull or something like that, Antonio Brown, with it, that with his brain being all bushed around. But nevertheless, Kyler Murray is an efficient quarterback that could put up the numbers and still could be an elite quarterback in his league. Why would you part ways with a quarterback this good if you know that you have control of him for the next two to three years and you can invest your money in other positions that you need? Right. Also, look at the 40-plus million dollar a year quarterbacks, too. Outside of the Giants, like, there's no team that, that, that it has not a, a lot of talent on the rest of their roster. Like, we were talking about the Bengals. They have talent on all the rest of their roster. The Chiefs, the Bills, all these teams that are paying their quarterbacks. Philly, they have talent on the rest of their roster that, where they could afford to be able to help out the quarterback in a different way and pay it. Kyler Murray is kind of stuck where they can't really do that kind of thing. And you're really going to sell short on trading him just so you could draft possibly Drake May, possibly Penix. There's no guarantee they even fall to them, too. And what happens if you don't? What happens if it's desperate? They are trading more draft stock away for a situation that's really bad in general as it is. Like you said, they lost James. They're going to lose James Conner. Trey McBride's a nice young tight end, but that's really it. Marquise Brown can't stay healthy, and that's they don't have a great offensive line, so good luck. SNY's Ian Begley reports that the Raptors guard OG and Anobi has been traded to the New York Knicks for R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quigley, and a second-round pick. The Knicks also received backup point guard Malachi Flynn and center Precious, by the way, a fantastic name, Precious Achua. <laughs> Ananobi is 26 years old and has a player option for next season for about $20 million before becoming a free agent in 2025. Yahoo Sports' Jake Fisher reports that Ananobi could be willing to take a discount to stay with the Knicks. Ananobi averaging 15.2 points per game, 4 rebounds per game, and 2.6 assists per game this season. In his career, Ananobi is, an, is averaging 11.9 points per game, 4.3 rebounds per game, 1.6 assists per game, and has been one of the better perimeter defenders in the NBA. By the way, last year, second team, all-NBA defensive player. I will say this. When I heard about this trade, I was shocked. I was shocked because the Knicks gave away two pieces that they could have used for Donovan Mitchell. Or, I don't know, Cat, Carl Anthony Towns. But they have been going after OG Ananobi for the last two seasons. They have wanted OG Ananobi for years. Maybe because he fits Thibodeau's uh, offense or defense, whatever he wants to run. And maybe they can make him a better offensive player. Maybe they can run the offense through him when Randall is gone just as much as they do it. As it, Maybe he's a second guy or a second option behind a guy like Jalen Brunson if they decide to move a Randall. I don't know. But here's the problem. And this is why I think the Knicks made this trade. Their defense 
in the last two weeks since Mitchell Robinson's injury has been absolutely disgusting. It's been horrible. In every single one of those games, they've given over 100 points. A team that was one of the top three, top four defenses in the league when Mitchell Robinson was healthy. For all those people that said, get rid of Mitchell Robinson, trade Mitchell Robinson, now you see what Mitchell Robinson provides to that Knicks defense when he's in the lineup. And the problem is with the Knicks, their perimeter defense. Jalen Brunson is not a great defender. He's not. And and we thought Quentin Grimes was going to be a great player. I don't know what's going on with him, but he's not developing. Emmanuel quickly started to develop, but his defense has gotten worse from last year. It's not the same defense. And R.J. Barrett, I love R.J. I really, really love the kid. And I think he was developing into a really good player. But he was inconsistent. He was never consistent. He would start playing. Me and Josh were talking about this the other day. He gets healthy. He starts to play well, and then he gets hurt. And then he's out a significant amount of time. He comes back, and he's flat for almost two, three, four weeks. And he can't do anything. And then he falls out of the good graces of Tom Thibodeau, and then he's sitting there, and he's riding the bench. This is a problem. OG Ananobi is going to go out there. He's going to play great defense. He's going to give you 110% on the defensive side of the ball. He's going to give you consistent 15, 17 points. He's going to give you a consistent six to five rebounds a game. He's going to steal the ball. He's going to put pressure on the best point guard or the best shooting guard on every other team. And he's going to make your defense look better than it is. Yeah. When I first saw this trade, I was shocked too, because I, I really was thinking, okay, if the Knicks are going to trade both Barrett and Quigley in the same trade, it's going to have to be either for a top big man or for just a guy that you would think of as a general star player. And again, there were so many options available that maybe were less available than we realized because their teams are starting to play well, like Dallas, like Minnesota, guys that were rumored for in the offseason. But him wanting to take a discount with the Knicks if the, uh, it, once he hits free agency is encouraging because that means that he's committed to the team brand of basketball. He wants he, to be a Nick. He clearly likes it here because he was uh, tweeting a lot of things about New York when he, when he first got traded over there. And it seems like he's embracing even somebody like Tom Thibodeau, who's a hard coach to embrace, he's embracing that kind of mindset. Because his mindset is defense. And Tom Thibodeau's mindset is defense. And if he could play all-out defense and give the Knicks something that the Knicks haven't had in a very long time, what has been the Knicks' problem over the last couple of years is finding a top-end perimeter defender. That's why they've been going after Ananobi for the last couple of years. The problem is, is at the time, the Raptors were still a borderline playoff team. And, and again, they're looking to rebuild now. So after they lost, they lost uh, Van Fleet, he decided to part ways and leave and go to the Rockets. They knew that they were, were going to probably have to start to rebuild. They bring in R.J. Barrett. He's a Toronto native. He's from that area. He's a Canadian. Uh, and, and, and Wiggins could probably, I've been hearing that they're interested in Wiggins. Mm-hmm. Maybe Toronto brings in Wiggins, Andrew Wiggins, another Toronto native. And, and maybe they're bringing, bringing some of their guys over there and trying to rebuild around those players. Right now, Siakam is the big name. And Siakam is another guy that the Knicks are interested in. Now, I don't know what the Knicks are going to trade. They do have a significant amount of first-round draft picks. I think next year, I think they have, a, I think, four or five first-round four, yep. four second draft picks next oh, yeah. year. And they just gave up one of them uh, to uh, a Raptor team that a lot of people thought they could have gotten a first-round draft pick. Because here's the thing. It was really R.J. Barrett for OG. 
That's really what it was. It was OG and an OB for R.J. Barrett because Emmanuel quickly is going to leave next year. He is a free agent. He's going to want a big contract. He's not going to resign with Toronto. And honestly, if you look at what the Knicks got, Precious Achua, he, he adds the defensive side of the ball that the Knicks have missed since they lost Mitchell Robinson. So they're getting a big man that can play defense. He's a good, he's a good inside uh, on the block defender. And then they add a, a Malachi Flynn, who's a good backup point guard. Mm-hmm. So he's not an elite backup point guard, but he's a good po- backup point guard until the Knicks decide what they're going to do at the trade deadline. Are they going to add another big name, another guard, AK Donovan Mitchell, which a lot of people after the trade said that Donovan Mitchell was going to reach out to Cleveland and say that he he wants out of Cleveland, but then you're hearing Cle- then you're hearing Miami's interested in him. Now you're hearing the Nets are interested in him. All in all, we all know where he wants to be. He wants to be in Madison Square Garden. He wants to play with Jalen Brunson. He wants to play with this team. Uh, he he grew up a Knicks fan, so I don't know what's going to happen. But I believe this was set up. This move was set up to add another player that they're going to move forward with at the trade deadline that could change their roster for better. Right, especially if he does take a pay cut, too. That's going to help if he doesn't have to get that third max contract. They saved $10 the million dollars yeah. trading R.J. Barrett, and that's why they, they signed McBride after that. Right. They gave McBride $13 million after trading R.J. Barrett because they, wanna, they, they want their second team to be all defense. Hart, um, McBride... Uh, you could put OG out there on the now second Flynn team. Was a good Flynn, you, you you have a good secondary defensive roster, and then if Mitchell Robinson somehow comes back in the playoffs, which I believe he will, if the Knicks go far in the playoffs, if they go to the Eastern Conference Finals or they go into the semis, I could see. Remember, he had ankle surgery. It was a significant ankle injury. They said it, it, usually it's like five to six weeks with an ankle surgery that he got, but they they went in there. It was a lot more problems with the ankle. You're talking about if the, the Knicks are in the Eastern Conference Finals or they're in the semis, that's a significant amount of time. That's that's like three, four months down the road. Maybe a guy like Mitchell Robinson will be ready, and then you have you have an additional defensive weapon that you have that you didn't have for the whole second half of the season. Right, and I may also say that maybe the trade market is going to be difficult as a whole this year, too, because, yes, Donovan Mitchell is going to be linked to the Knicks for the end of time, but the Cavs also said they're not going to just do it for nothing either, and that maybe that means they're not going to do it this year. You like that bark? Yes. But uh, I, don't like, I, don't, I don't like you barking. I, I'm not going to. You do have a dark... You know, dog bark. You Thank do. You. It's very dark. All right. Uh, you can submit that in some dog barking human contest. Well, I don't know. Your dog likes to lick your butt. Yeah, he does, unfortunately. But there you go. How many times has he done it in the last past year? None, luckily. Oh, why is it luckily? You liked it. No, I didn't. You were startled. Yes, yeah, startled. That. Yeah, what well, startled means it, you felt good. No. You didn't, you didn't like it? You didn't like a tongue over there? No. You sure? No. It was clean. He cleaned it. I'm just saying. But going back to the the trade market too, like, it might be dwindling to the fact of the right now the biggest names available are Siakam, who's a nice player, very well rounded player. If the Knicks trade for him at the deadline, I would not mind it at all. Somebody like Dejounte Murray, who was the other big name, another nice player. They're but, saying that, yeah, yeah, but. It doesn't really fit for the Knicks. The Knicks have Jalen Brunson already. He's going to be another point guard. And he's a bigger point guard, so maybe he could play the two, I guess. But still, the fit is not ideal for somebody of his skill set. Those are the biggest names in the trade deadline. Zach Levine's now still hurt. It might miss the rest of the season, so it looks like nobody's going to trade for him Siakam? anymore. How about Siakam? Yeah, Siakam, I would I, I embrace it because he's a well-rounded player. If the Knicks traded for him, 
they could give him that. That's a game changer. Yeah. You bring Siakam with Jalen Brunson, and you you will have to ch- probably trade Julius Randle. You're going to have to, yeah. You're, you're definitely right. going to have to. But if you bring in Siakam, he gives you the rebounding, he gives you the defense, he gives you the offense. You have Now you have a one-two punch with Jalen Brunson. You have OG. You can absolutely win a championship with that roster. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you might have some money sitting back, you know, if OG takes less, where you can bring in another $15, $17 million player to play with all the other guys. Right, and especially if it's Siakam too. You you have to imagine Odenobi's going to take a pay cut to do that too. If they bring if the Knicks trade for Siakam and then they sign him in the off season, now they're saying that Siakam is going to test the waters. Fine, but if the Anunoby knows that the Knicks are going to push hard to do everything they can to bring back Siakam. Because remember, the team that you're originally with has the first leeway in free agency. They can give you the extra year that the other teams can't give. So if that's what Siakam, a younger player, is going to want, then you're that helps Siakam's chances of going back to the Knicks and also helps Anunoby's chance of taking less money where he's not going to get a max contract. That gives plenty of leeway to sign Donovan Mitchell. That gives plenty of leeway to sign another free agent that could become available. It's inevitable that Donovan Mitchell will be a New York Knick. Yeah. I, I don't know when it's going to be. Could be at the trade deadline. It could be in the offseason, but right. it's inevitable. I, I do. The only way he goes anywhere is Miami. That would only make sense because he goes with Pat Riley. Right. He can win with Jimmy Butler. That team is built to win now, and, and I think he'd go to Miami for the fact that he can win a championship. Besides Miami, he does not want to play for Brooklyn. I don't care what Brooklyn says. He will not play in Brooklyn. He, he doesn't have a chance to win in Brooklyn, and I think he knows that. He would either go to the Knicks or go to Miami, or if there's a surprise team that comes out of nowhere, right. like OKC, because OKC has a ton of draft stock. If you bring Mitchell Robinson over there with OKC, with that young young group of uh, talent that they have over there, you can win a championship right now. Mm-hmm. You could. So I, I, I still think Donovan Mitchell is a long shot for the Knicks right now. But I still think that if Donovan Mitchell forces his way out and he wants to play somewhere, it would make a lot of sense on where he wants to play. Yeah, and I also look at Ananobi as the potential guy that could definitely lure in other players, too, if he does take less when it comes to getting players in quantity as well. It gives them a lot more leeway now that they have cheaper size to work with. That's why I like the Achua end of the trade, too. Like mm. That gives them a guy that can play a four and a five. Robinson, if he does come back, is still a cheap center, and they could build the rest of the way with still enough good wings. All right, when we come back, we will be talking to the Just Jets podcast and the Talking Jets show, our friend Matt O'Leary, here on the Sports Loudmouth. You're you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouth. We are back. Happy New Year to all the fans out there. A Merry Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy Hanukkah. Speedy, I don't know what you celebrate. As you know, you're speaking and you're listening to the Sports Loudmouth. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy. Petey, go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week. As you know, the Sports Loudmouth with me and Speedy PD every single Wednesdays and Thursdays at 7 p.m. All you have to do to tune in and check out all our local listings is go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. You can call us at 631-672-3108. And uh, I obviously interviewed this guy a couple of weeks ago on another podcast, and he's on our show, our live show. I, I wanted to get him on the show. He has a great, fantastic podcast on YouTube, one of the best jet guys in the country, we are now talking to the host of Just Jets podcast and Talking Jets show, Matt O'Leary. Matt, what's up, bud? 
Uh, not too much. Excited to be on with you guys. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And as you know, Matt is a Jet guy. He's also an Islander fan. And we're not going to get into any Islanders hockey right now, even though they're playing pretty good hockey. I have to say that. Uh, that game against Colorado was interesting. It was an interesting showing for the New York Islanders. They have to keep the goal scoring down. But uh, we're not going to get into the Islanders. Let's get into the Jets. Going into the season, everybody thought that Aaron Rodgers was going to change everything for the New York Jets. He carries the flag out, the lights shining on Monday Night Football. He goes down after four plays. The Jets then decide to go with Zach Wilson, and the debacle started to happen. After Aaron Rodgers went down, what were your thoughts to the New York Jets season, all the way from what we saw on Hard Knocks when we thought he had the Jets had a chance to possibly win a Super Bowl this year? Yeah, really frustrating to see, you know, a season go down the drain like that four plays into your season. And, you know, with that all being said, I thought this team was still talented enough with how good they are defensively and with young guys like Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson and Elijah Vera Tucker before he got hurt uh, on the offensive side of the ball that they should have been more competitive than this. But I think the biggest thing for me is Joe Douglas and Robert Sala. I think they acted as they were safe no matter what happened this year. And I don't think they were aggressive enough to get another quarterback and to add on the offensive line once people you know started to go down with injuries so I really think the offensive line and poor quarterback play ended up really derailing this season so realistically for Aaron Rodgers coming back next year what do you think the expectation for be should be for his performances coming off that Achilles injury yeah I mean that's gonna be the tough thing right like at his age now 40 years old coming off of that injury um, I guess if you were to put any positive spin on it it happened in early enough in the season where he's gonna have that extra long recovery. It's not like it happens, you know, at the, towards the end of the season around now or the playoffs. So I think he will be cl- pretty close to 100% after, you know, all, it's all said and done going into next year. I think you can still expect a guy who's playing like a top 10 quarterback. Um, you know, I know he played through an injury last year in Green Bay with a thumb um, and he didn't have his best statistical, statistical season. I don't think it's fair to expect him to have like the MVP numbers from 2020 and 21, but I don't know, split the difference between the two where he was his final year in green Bay uh, and uh, you know, his, his MVP seasons. Matt, you look at Zach Wilson. He looks like he's on his way out. The Jets are not going to bring him back in the offseason. And and you look at Joe Flacco, what he's doing right now for the Browns. They're going into the playoffs hot. They had Joe Flacco on their roster. He was obviously traded for a six-round draft pick. And you would think that backing up Aaron Rodgers, you have two capable quarterbacks that can get you into the playoffs. And then you decided to bring in Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson just completely... I guess did what Zach Wilson does, absolutely bomb everything. And this team going into the offseason, this is, I believe, the most important thing besides the offensive line is finding a competent quarterback, backup quarterback to back up Aaron Rodgers because if they don't, they're going to have major problems if Aaron Rodgers goes down again. So if you were the GM for the New York Jets right now and who is inve- who's available this offseason, who do you bring in as your backup quarterback right behind Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, I think you bring in a great point because you can't just be right back to where you were this year. The guy that I really like is Jacoby Brissett. I mean, he's someone who has a starting experience. Um, He filled in for the Browns last year when Deshaun Watson was out, and I thought he played relatively good football. And he's backed up Sam Howell. And, you know, in the little we've seen him this year and against the Jets, I thought he looked really good. Uh, And I think, you know, with where the commanders are going to end up picking, 
Uh, they're probably going to get a new quarterback in there, and I don't think he's going to have a chance to start. And not that he'll necessarily have a chance to start here, but you know, a guy in his you know late 30s, early 40s now in Aaron Rodgers coming back off an of injury, you know, he might have to play. So maybe he looks that looks at that as a exciting opportunity to um, you know back up a legend in Aaron Rodgers, and that's certainly someone who I think is proven that they are capable uh at this level i don't want to go in with either you know a young a young rookie or try to run it back with uh with zach wilson for a fourth year i think you got to find a some vet backup so Devontae adams has been a big name that was brought up the, the jets were apparently close to trading for him at the trade deadline but the raiders didn't want to do it for selling short they just fired josh mcdaniels after that but there's only going to be links with aaron Rodgers and Devontae adams do you think it makes sense for the jets to do it one and two how realistic do you think it's going to be to happen yeah, I think, you know, when there's smoke, there's fire with something like this. I mean, you're going to have the Aaron Rodgers connection. Uh, the Jets have leaked it a couple times this year. Like after the trade deadline, it was, oh, they checked in on Devontae Adams and they were close to landing him. And then it was a few weeks later, they're going to pursue him tough again. So I, I think there's some legitimacy to that one, whether it's Adams or signing a, a veteran free agent wide receiver. I think it's obvious they need to add someone to pair with Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson's a legitimate number one, but they need that one B or that solid number two receiver. I think they were hoping Alan Lazard would be that. And he's been a swing and a miss so far as a free agent addition. And unfortunately, you know, Corey Davis retiring before the start of the season really didn't help things. So I think wide receiver is absolutely a position that they're going to look to attack. And with someone who has the familiarity with both uh, Rogers and Hackett, I think Devante is a name to watch closely this off season. We are talking to the host of the Just Jets podcast and the Talking Jets show, Matt O'Leary. He's all over YouTube. He's very well known when it comes to the New York Jets. And Matt, the offensive line has been putrid all season long. And, and they have had more injuries over the last two years on their offensive line than any team in football. And if you look at their offensive right now, uh, offensive line right now. You have Tipman, who I think has been sensational. He's been the only bright spot with that offensive line. Elijah Vera Tucker, who, if he stays healthy, he's a dominant force. And everybody else, Lincoln Tomlinson, he needs to go. Makai Becton was embarrassed last week, absolutely embarrassed. And they have no guard play. Max Mitchell looked like he was going to be a player last year. And then, obviously, with the blood clots, he hasn't had the same season he had last year. Where do the Jets go in the offseason to uh, fix this offensive line that's just absolutely putrid? Yeah, it's going to be tough. I think there's you're either looking for two new tackles or you're moving Elijah Vera Tucker from guard to tackle and looking for a tackle and a guard. But at, at an absolute minimum, you're looking for two new starters. If you're moving on from Lake and Tomlinson, then it's three new starters, which that's going to be a mix of free agency, potentially a trade in the draft. I, I know we you know, like to talk about, oh, maybe the Jets will go with a wide receiver or quarterback in the first round. To me, I think they're going to find an offensive lineman. I'd be very, very surprised if they went a different direction than offensive line. Uh, even if they don't land one of the top two guys at the draft, uh, Fashanu from Penn State or Alt from Notre Dame, um, there's a couple of guys you know, beyond that who are going to go in the first round as well. So if I had to bet on it, I think they're going to add an offensive tackle in the first round of the draft. So the announcement was made last week that everyone is returning. Joe Douglas, Robert Sala, oh Nathaniel God, Hackett. Please. And there's a lot of mixed reactions from Jets fans based on all of that. <sighs> Where do you stand? Yeah, it's uh, – I don't know what my confidence level in those guys being the two to get it right. I'm hoping that, you know, Aaron Rodgers plays like an elite quarterback and it hides some of the issues. But, I mean, I, I think you have legitimate criticisms for both those guys. Robert Sala's done a really nice job with the defense, but – 
Uh, game management is still an issue for him in year three. The offense is still one of the worst in the league. Um, and for, for Douglas, I mean, I think a, a lot of this season, you can blame on him for not doing enough on the offensive line or at the uh, backup quarterback spot for the position that they are in now. So um, I think both those guys probably should have been fired at the end of this year. I wouldn't, I would have been absolutely okay with moving on, especially Hackett. I mean, the only reason Hackett's here is because he's friends with Aaron Rodgers. but um, yeah, they're going to run it back. And I just hope that, you know, hall of fame quarterback helps hide some of those issues. And you speak about Robert Saleh and all year round, he, he goes up, he speaks to the press and he, he just sits there. He just stands there, answers every question and, and pretty much says, Oh, it's okay. You know, we're going to go out there. We're going to play. We're going to play hard. We're all out there together. We're going to play like a team. We're jets. We're going to play like the team, all gas, no break, whatever the hell he says. And then it, what was it a week ago? He goes out there, the press after getting humiliated by the Miami dolphins, absolutely humiliated by the Miami dolphins, 30 to nothing. And he goes out there and he has nothing to say. And then the press comes out. I don't remember who said it. And he says, what do you want me to do? You want me to throw something? You want me to you want me to throw something on the ground to show you how angry I am? Or you just want me to be me and, and try to be uh, the coach and, and, and try to help this team move forward, move, you know, f- for the next year or however long I'm here. It's been a big problem for Robert Sala. Emotion has been the neglect that he had when he was over there in San Francisco. He had emotion. He was out there. He, he as a defensive coordinator, you could see the anger and frustration, how, how his face turned red. Now all of a sudden he grows a beard. He's a pretty boy on the sidelines for the New York Jets, and he has nothing to say to the press after the games. What are your thoughts as a Jet guy, as a Jet fan, on, on the, to me, his reaction of just absolute appalling play for the New York Jets? Yeah, you know, I, I think that's fair to bring up. And when things are going well, you see him reacting positively on the sideline, but you never see that big negative reaction, at least to the players. We've seen him get into it with the referees, but uh, he never really goes after, you know, players on the sideline or has a, a big negative emotion that way. And, you know, for, for me personally, I, w- I would like to see that from him. I think someone who has done a really good job is Dan Campbell in Detroit. I think mm. he's someone who... Um, obviously is, is a player's coach and Salah is as well. It's obvious that guys like playing for him, but I just think they, he needs a little bit more of that fire, um, especially when things are going wrong. It, it's great that he's the biggest cheerleader when things are going, you know, great and things are working. That's awesome. But also at the same time, like it, it's okay to show a little bit of frustration too. Yeah. I've, one of the things that I've always noticed with this Jets coaching staff since Salah has taken over as the head coach is sometimes they're too stubborn when it comes to making adjustments. I had that issue with Mike LaFleur last year, and I think that's why he got fired. And now you're seeing it this year, too, with Nathaniel Hackett trying to change the offense since Aaron Rodgers went gone. And he's, he doesn't run the ball. He doesn't do a lot of the things that they should be doing. And then the same kind of thing with Salah on the defense. Do you feel that same kind of thing? Yeah, I definitely do. This I think the stubbornness is a huge issue for – both sides of the ball, offensively and defensively. I, I think some of, um, you know, specifically on the defensive side of the ball, th- them pretty much not moving Sauce Gardner over to the other team's elite number one receiver really cost them against Miami a couple weeks ago uh, where Tyreek Hill was out and it was pretty much only Jalen Waddle, and they let DJ Reed get, you know, burned by him. And, and Reed's been great this year. I don't want to come on here and bash DJ Reed. He's played really, really well. But, you know, in that circumstance, why not move your elite cornerback over there and, and put him uh, with some help over the top? But 
for whatever reason, they, they just love to do things their way and they believe that it's going to work and they just got to get the process right. But, you know, here we are three years later and it's the same thing. We are talking to the host of the Just, just Jets podcast and the Talking Jets show, Matt O'Leary. Matt, defensively, Quincy, Quincy Williams has been fantastic. To me, an all-pro player this year, he's been one of the best linebackers in the league. Quinton Williams, I, I know it took him a while to figure things out this year. He got a big contract. He missed, uh, you know, some time in the offseason. But uh, in the second half, he's played better. And, and to me, a very important piece to this defense is, is the linebacker play. And we all know the captain of that defense. What were your thoughts to the, the secondary this year in the second half of the season, especially in the fourth quarter where, hey, listen, it, I'm not saying the Jets secondary hasn't been one of the elite defenses in, in all of football, but it looked like they were lackadaisical in the, the fourth quarter of games because maybe they were tired and maybe they just knew they were going to lose and they just gave up on certain plays. Did you see that the way I saw it in the last couple of games? Uh, I definitely think that's a, a fair point to bring up with, you know, this defense. I think for a majority of the year, they've done a good job of keeping the, them in games and they've lost a lot of close, low scoring games this year. You know, the the first game against New England comes to mind, Atlanta, Vegas, games like that. But there are a few examples this year um, of them, you know, getting blown out, Cleveland, Miami, uh, Buffalo. And I think at times they try to be maybe a little bit over aggressive to try to make a big play and get either punch the ball out or try to jump around and get an interception. That's when a big play happens. Um, specifically uh, in the secondary, I think I have the biggest issue with uh, the safeties. I don't think either has tackled very well. Um, so if there was an area of concern, you know, with uh, tackling or, or effort wise, I, I would say maybe a little bit more uh, with the, with the safety duo than the the corner room or linebackers. So a lot of these fringe roster players that are either free agents or have big contracts at the end of the year or after, after the season, which ones would you keep realistically? And which ones do you think the Jets will get rid of? Yeah. I mean like the biggest one right now, I think that people are talking about is Bryce Huff, right? Like he's due uh, a, a new contract. Um, I would do whatever it takes to keep Bryce Huff here. I think he's, you know, been stellar as a pass rusher this year. Um, finally gets more playing time. That's been someone that Jeff fans have wanted to see more of, um, you know, for years now. And finally the snaps start to be there and he has a chance to be a double digit sack guy this year. Um, I, I know that their strength is a defense and they need help on the offensive side of the ball, but um, I think you could still find a way to, to retain some, one of your homegrown home developed guys. Um, beyond that, I mean, like Jordan Whitehead's a free agent. I don't know if you're necessarily bringing him back. You might be able to, um, you know, retain an Ashton Davis or, or a Chuck Clark, someone who actually didn't play for you this year, but you traded for, and he was hurt. But, um, you know, for me, the, the big one that I want to retain is, is Huff beyond that. Um, you're kind of just trying to keep as, as much of the defense together offensively. I don't know if you're looking to bring back like Randall Cobb's a pending free agent. <laughs> you're, you're, you know, running to bring him back. Billy Turner, that a lot of those guys could just walk. As everybody knows, we are talking to the host of the Just Jets podcast and the Talking Jets show, Matt O'Leary. You look at the Jets now this offseason. You, you, we were just mentioning Devontae Adams, and, and he's a guy that the Jets are definitely going to be interested in in the offseason. But 
also going into this year's draft. And and the one thing I could say about Joe Douglas, he's drafted very, very well the last two seasons. I don't understand the Will McDonald thing, but again, the Jets did that same thing to Johnson last year. And then this year he's had a lot of time and he's shown that he is in he, he could be an elite player in the future. Where do you see, besides the offensive line help that they need in the draft, where do you see, they don't have a second-round draft, but where do you see the Jets going? Are, are they going offense this year or defense when it comes to this year's draft in your eyes? Yeah, I think it'll lean more offense because even if you add a bigger-name wide receiver, let's say as a wide receiver too, they could still use some depth, so it wouldn't surprise me if they added a mid-round receiver in there. Um, you know, they just released Dalvin Cook, so mm-hmm. running back could potentially be a need. Like, I, I liked what we've seen from Izzy Abanacanda, uh, and I wish we got to see a little bit more, but it's not a guarantee that he's an RB2 in this league, so that they might look to add another one there. Um, maybe you take a developmental quarterback that you want to sit and stash. So I, I would think that they would lean heavily on the offensive side if they were to go anywhere on defense. My guess it would be uh, interior defensive line. Um, behind Quentin Williams, you have a couple guys in Quentin Jefferson and Al Woods who are pending free agents. So uh, adding some depth at that spot on the interior of the defensive line is something that I could see them doing as well. So what about some under-the-radar moves you think would be beneficial for the Jets that maybe uh, guys aren't talking about? Yeah, that's uh, that's a really good question. And someone that I just mentioned was uh, Quentin Jefferson. And I, I think retaining him would be a, a sneaky, important thing for this team because I think the run defense has gotten a little bit worse since he's been out, both him and Al Woods, to be honest with you. But Jefferson was getting a lot of pressure from the interior of that defensive line. Um, and I think it was opening up Quentin Williams and some of these edge guys to get more sacks. But the sack numbers haven't been there as much for this defense over the last few weeks. Uh, I, I would think an under the radar one would be bringing him back. And then, you know, maybe something on the offensive side of the ball, um, lo- looking to add a uh, another slot guy in here. I, Xavier Gibson, I, th- I think, is an exciting piece. Uh, I don't know if I would trust him as a as a starting slot receiver unless they want to get Garrett Wilson in the slot more and maybe add another outside guy. Then you kind of just do the inverse of that. But it wouldn't surprise me if they added, you know, another gadget kind of player. Matt, you look at the AFC East, the Dolphins and the Bills, they're fighting for that number one spot to win the division. They're going into week 18 where whoever wins this game is going to win the division. And maybe, obviously, if if the Bills lose this game, they could be out of the playoffs. So this is a big game for the Bills. The Dolphins, obviously, they clinch. They're going to play in the wildcard game no matter what. When you watch the Bills play, especially in the second half, they changed the offensive corner. What has stood out to you in the second half, what you didn't see in the first half by the Bills? Yeah, I think they're just their offensive creativity has been uh, much better. I, I, I think that was a big issue for them early on in the year. They were asking Josh Allen to do a little bit too much. He was trying to play hero ball and there were a lot of turnovers and a lot of mistakes early on in the year. But right now they're getting hot at the right time. It's clicking. I think their offense has looked significantly better since going to Joe Brady. And honestly, I like them a lot this week. They beat up on Miami the first time these two teams played. Uh, and Miami, I they had a big win against Dallas, but they looked terrible against Baltimore. And I get it, this game's in Miami, and maybe it's a little bit different this time around, the home game for them. But 
I just think Buffalo is the hot team, and they're, they've looked better the last few weeks. So it wouldn't shock me at all if Buffalo gets this win on Sunday. Yeah, I, a lot of people are saying now they're like a top four odds-wise to win the Super Bowl I this agree. year. As a, as a, potentially as a wild-card team. Now, they might win the division, like you said, a 2C. But if they are end up being a wild-card team, do you still think they could be just as, as tough of an out as if they would be if they won the division? Because we haven't seen a wild-card team in the Super Bowl in a while. Yeah, you definitely haven't. And obviously, you know, home playoff game, a little bit of an easier path. But I think they're dangerous, even if they are – you know, a wild card team. We've seen like the Chiefs who are going to win a division, but they haven't played their best football. So um, it wouldn't shock me at all if, you know, the bu- the Buffalo Bills go in as a wild card and make a little run. We are talking to the host of the Just Jets podcast and the Talking Jets show, Matt O'Leary. Before we let you go, Matt, uh, who do you have coming out of the AFC? Do you believe the Baltimore Ravens are the team to beat right now? I mean, they've looked good the last two weeks. They knocked off San Francisco. This week they really showed up and, and – Put a beaten, a beaten on um, you know all the teams they've played all season long, and really everybody thought that San, Fr- San Francisco going into the season was the straight up contender to win a championship. I think it's really transitioned right into Baltimore, especially two weeks ago. Do you think Baltimore is the team to beat in the AFC, and do you think San Francisco is going to come out of the NFC? Yeah, I do. I agree with you. I think Baltimore right now, they look like the best team in the sport until proven otherwise. So I do think they deserve that crown as the team to beat. Obviously, you know, the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes, they're the the name recognition, but they haven't been as good this year. Something seems a little off with them. And the Eagles who went to the Super Bowl last year and started off the year so hot, they've really limped down the stretch here um, as well, and they might not win their division. So I think the 49ers are a legit threat to come out of the NFC. They're my preseason nfc champion prediction so that one looks good the Bengals one doesn't look so hot right now (laughs) wasn't expecting joe burrow to get hurt uh but yeah that other afc north team man baltimore they look they're playing their best football lamar looks like an mvp candidate so yeah to me they are by far the favorites they're definitely lamar is definitely winning the mvp after what he did this past week four touchdowns uh, i mean uh, 300 yards i mean putting up those kind of numbers against a a super bowl contender uh, only tells you what lamar jackson could do And, and by the way uh, there was a lot of questions if Lamar was the MVP going into this game. There's no question anymore. And, and again, I had Jacksonville and the Eagles going to the Super Bowl before the season started. I, I don't see the Eagles making the Super Bowl the way they played, and, and now they're losing the locker room. I, I mean, it, this could get really, really bad for the Eagles, and, and we all know this because this has gone on for the Jets for years when it comes to the locker room. So if, if you're hearing from you know different players saying that the locker room, some, you know, the team is losing, you know, losing each other in the locker room, there's a problem. of Even the coach is losing the team right now, Nick Sirianni, and that has a lot to do with the coaching staff. Uh, now that Gannon's right now with the Arizona Cardinals, and obviously uh, the Indianapolis Colts is having a great season. They could sneak into the playoffs, so you're absolutely right. It, it is crazy the way the NFL works. In any given year, anything could happen. And as, a many, as a matter of fact, even though we think it's Baltimore and San Francisco in the Super Bowl, some team could sneak up and surprise everyone and go to the Super Bowl, get hot. Even the Colts. I mean, they're nine and seven. They get it. They get into the playoffs. They sneak into the playoffs. They could be dangerous. So anything's possible, as you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as as a local team, we saw the Giants no. do it a couple of times, right? They get in on the last day of the year and go on a run to make the Super Bowl. <sighs> so, Please so don't mention that. Please don't I, mention. I know that. it. It, it, it hurts sick. to mention, but it's it's true. If you get hot at the right time, that's all that matters. Uh, also, thanks to your New York Jets in uh, Week 16 that year, 2011. Why do you have to bring that up? Why, every I was there. Yeah. I was there when the Giants beat Victor Cruz. Remember that? 
Oh, my God. I was sick to my stomach. I'll never forget it. It was Christmas Eve. Me and my friends, we were having a good time. The Jets had a lead, and I was like, yes, we're going We're, we're going to make the playoffs. We, we can make a run. And then Victor Cruz has that run. I don't want to hear it. And then it, the game just completely changed, and the Jets don't make the playoffs, and the Giants go all the way to the Super Bowl and knock off, yes, the New England Patriots once again. So, Thank you for reminding me, Speedy, because you're a Giant fan, and I, I want to smack you around a couple of times. Maybe I need to hold you down and let your dog do a number on you. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> my dog actually was not in my household when the Giants won that Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't get him until 2014, and the Giants have not made the – well, they made the playoffs, but they've only won one playoff game since then. <laughs> Well, Matt doesn't know the inside joke with that. And I don't want Matt to know the inside joke about that. I'm sure he's already weirded out enough. <laughs> that is quite okay. Whatever you do with your dog at home, you do. <laughs> Let's just say Errol has taken it to different proportions that I was not thinking of at the time. And has uh, driven our guests, other guests, a lot of uh, a lot crazy. A lot, a lot crazy. It's funny. It is funny. You're the one who admitted it on, on live radio. I didn't say it. I said, is there anything? Why would crazy? you have any context to admit? Because it's funny. I mean, who who comes out and says, hey, you know what? My dog snuck into my room and, you know, ooh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I know Matt's probably heard too much. <laughs> I didn't say it. I didn't say it. Matt. Keep up the good work. You're the best, man. You really are. When it comes to the New York Jets, you know, and you, you put out the best content. I really do believe that. And you do a great job for all the fans out there. If you haven't checked it out, the Just Jets podcast and uh, the Talking Jets show. And by the way, he, he speaks a lot about the New York Islanders. He's got his take on the New York Islanders as well. So if you're an Islander fan, uh, you reach out to Matt. He is as great and as good as it gets. Thank you, Matt. Absolutely. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks again for having me. Have a good rest of your night. Matt O'Leary. And I, you know, it was like a tongue twister. You know, it's just like today it's just been speedy. You like tongue twisters, right? Sometimes. Well, you liked your dog tongue twister. No, I didn't. Well, what did you like? I mean, you spoke very highly of it. I did not speak very highly of it. Well, what did you speak? I spoke about it. In the scenario that it happened, it did not. There was no like or dislike. All I said was I was startled. I would be startled too. I mean, I would have jumped and I would have said, "Get your your tongue away from me over there." But for some reason, you yeah. have enjoyed it. No, I did not enjoy it. Oh, I don't know, man. You're starting to lose me here. Anyways, uh, uh, what were your thoughts to some of the games this past week? Well, again, you're right, right about the Ravens. They're definitely blowing out everybody now. and the, the, That defense the, is fantastic. Yeah, and you look at the Ravens against good teams. Now they, that's their fourth double-digit win against good teams. Like <laughs> They have to be thought of now as this obvious favorite in the AFC. And whether it is the whole conference or not with the 49ers, but again, still, they are doing it in dominant fashion and so many different ways, too. Like we were talking about earlier, so many injuries that they've had to overcome. That's been the theme of this year. I think offensive teams that can overcome those injuries are the teams that are the most successful. You right see now. the difference of this team when they're not at 100% healthy. I'm talking about Miami. They are not healthy. Mostert is not healthy. He didn't play in the game. Uh, that's a big loss right now. And and by the way, Waddle's not 100% healthy. Tyreek Hill has not been 100% healthy. And, and you're going into the playoffs and, and like I said, you're crawling into the playoffs. You cannot not be healthy going in. Now, every team is not healthy going into the playoffs. Right. You're not at 100%. But if these guys are limping into the 
playoffs, you have a big problem. Your strength is your offense, your defensive side of the ball. Uh, Howard's been out practically all season long. He's been in, he's been out, he's been in, he's been out. You have Ramsey back, and he's definitely helped out the secondary. But if you're not strong in that on that side of the ball, you ought, you're offensively, you have to show up every single week. And as we saw against a, a Ravens team, which are not known for their offense, by the way, guys, the Ravens have not scored 50 points on any team all season long at all. They go into Baltimore against a Miami Dolphin team that's put up 70 points against the Denver Broncos. Yes, 70 points against the Denver Broncos. And they gave up 56 points against a Ravens team. By the way, and Lamar Jackson needed to prove himself on national television. I think he proved himself. I think he is the MVP of the league. I don't think you can argue it's Purdy or McCaffrey or Tyreek Hill. You can't really argue that anymore. Even Dak Prescott at one point. And Dak had a very good week against the yeah, Lions. Forty five yards. Yeah. yeah, he looked he looked really good. And I I asked the Beef. Uh, I asked him what did he think about Dak. He says Dak played well. He played well. He just played well. He played sensational. He outplayed Jared Goff. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, 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 well, I mean Jared Goff at one point this year was an MVP candidate, mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden oh he played well. They shouldn't have won that game, but it wasn't because if they didn't win that game, it wasn't because of Dak Prescott. But no. I know the beef. He would have thrown Dak Prescott under the bus and said it was Dak's fault. He stinks. So that's the beef, by the way. But. That's the beef in a nutshell. The most credit he'll give to Dak Prescott is he played well. Yeah, okay. No, he threw for three hundred forty-five yards. Look at how many quarterbacks threw for three hundred yards this week. I, I will say this: the Ravens are. Really unstoppable right now, but that doesn't mean anything. They're thirteen and three. They're probably not going to play any of their starters in Week eighteen. Uh, they they won the they won the conference. They're going to have the the bye. They're going to have a home field advantage. Kansas City, for the first time in a very long time, are not going to have the bye, and they're not going to have home field advantage. So Kansas City is sneaking into the playoffs, and and if you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan, there's no guarantees Kansas City gets out of the wild card game. Honestly, because they play the Bills. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I think they're they're put in a really bad position. And if the Bills do win the division, they're matched up against the Bills. Mm-hmm. So I and you you got to go to Buffalo. <laughs> You're not going to be playing Kansas City. Yep. I don't think you played a Kansas City game in the playoffs at all. I think the only the only the shootout game was in Kansas City. Uh, Buffalo has never been the one seed in the. No, AFC. I'm saying that you, the Kansas City fans might not see a home game for the rest of the, yeah, the playoffs. Most likely not. They're going to get the one in the first round. Whoever they play, that's it. Like that, everything else is. Especially with the way the AFC. Well, been. if Buffalo wins, they don't play Kansas City in the first round. Right. That Miami would play Kansas City in the first round, right. most likely, and that's going to be hard too. I, I think. I think if Miami is 100 percent healthy, they could beat Kansas City. Oh yeah. For sure. So, and their Kansas defense City is not playing well besides the Ravens game. Yeah, and Kansas City could put up the numbers. Uh, I mean, I'm not Kansas City. Uh, Miami could put up the numbers. And mm-hmm. we, we know they could keep, they can compete. Tua has been very accurate. At one point this year, Tua was an MVP candidate. I think in the first seven, eight weeks, we were right. we were arguing that he was the best quarterback in the league. Uh, it's kind of f- fallen off maybe because of injury. Tua has been healthy all season long. I have to give him a lot of credit. After what happened to him last year with the concussion problems, uh, Miami's protecting him very, very well this year. I, I, I definitely want to watch the Hard Knocks. I'm going to wait until Hard Knocks is completely over because I want to get a chance to, to watch watch Mike McDaniels. I think he's a fantastic personality, and I think he'd be great to watch. I just haven't had a chance to watch. I don't like watching episode and then have to wait a week and then watch another episode. I want to watch it just like straight through. That's mm-hmm. what I like to do when it comes to that uh, as, uh, you know, 
I hate waiting a certain amount of time. But nevertheless, the surprises of the week was the way the Ravens completely pulverized the Dolphins. Um, the Colts knocking off the Raiders. I mean, the Raiders were playing good football, and I, they were borderline maybe going to sneak into the playoffs. Now they're done. They're, there's no way they're making the playoffs. I, you def, and I, I said this. I don't know. And I, I'm, I, I like Pierce, Antonio Pierce, and I think he's done a great job with the Raiders. I don't know what Davis does in the offseason when it comes to the coach position because Antonio Pierce has won the team over. They believe in him as a head coach. And I believe that for the first time, and I'll say this about the Raiders, for the first time I think the Raiders should give Antonio Pierce a full season to coach this team. Because maybe in a full year, a full off season with Antonio Pierce building this defense, Mason Crosby's had a sensational year. He's, he's going to be up for Defensive Player of the Year. Maybe with a good off season with Antonio Pierce, he can change the value of what this team has given over the last couple of years under a Josh McDaniels. Right. The, the Raiders have always looked for flash and have never gotten it. And the problem is you you need to build a level of culture that has to be stabilized. And we've seen many. Previously dysfunctional teams begin to do that, and now you're seeing it with a team like the Bills that were dysfunctional for a while. Now have a stable seven years recently. Miami, they were the East Coast version of the Raiders. They were always spending for these big free agents, these big-name coaches, and they were always just very mediocre. Now they're actually a good football system going. You're only going to gain that reputation from NFL players when you get that reputation, and Antonio Pierce has definitely done that. A lot of the players like him. Even the players that were disgruntled before, a lot of them liked him, too. So I hope he does get a chance to Michael Strahan says uh, uh, yeah. speaks highly of him and says a lot of good things about him on and off the field and even in the locker room that everybody, like, you know, drives to him. So I think that Antonio Pierce gives them that personality that I think the Raiders have lacked over the last couple of years as a, you know, with the coaches that they had over there. And that's something that Davis needs to figure out because having the right coach there since John Gruden, this team has not really had a personality in the locker room. I think Antonio Pierce gives it unless they could get Jim Harbaugh. And if sure. Jim, Har if Jim Harbaugh wins a national championship or loses in a national championship, if he loses in a national championship, he's, there's no way he's coming back to Michigan. No way. If he wins, there could be a chance that he goes back to Michigan for at least another season mm -hmm. to, to win back-to-back -back championships with the recruiting class that he's going to be bringing in next year. So I, I don't know where it's going, how it's going at work, but I, I, I'll tell you this right now. Davis has been an owner that really looks for that big slam dunk move, and Josh McDaniels was a surprise when they brought Josh McDaniels in. I think he's looking for that big-name coach, and there's two big names that are going to be available in the offseason. Bill Belichick, who is obviously Josh McDaniels. I don't know why he would bring him in because he's a – Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels is a disciple of, of Bill Belichick, so that doesn't make any sense. And Jim Harbaugh will be available, and teams are going to interview for him. Uh, and and try to reach out to him is that going? Deion Sanders is another name that we've been hearing over the last couple oh, of weeks. Oh boy, that'd be classic. Which, <laughs> which makes no sense either. And, and Deion already came out and said he doesn't want to coach a professional football team. He doesn't want to coach men. He wants to co coach boys. So I, I, that, that, it doesn't make you know. First of all, it doesn't sound right. <laughs> no, it also just does sound like the Raiders said what they would do. <laughs> I mean, I want to. I don't want to coach men. I want to coach boys. <laughs> Young men. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be losing a lot of uh, top young men if I just say that. I'm just kidding, Dion. But 
honestly, when you look at the big picture and and what the the Raiders like to do, they like to they want to get the slam dunk. They want to get the big name, and I, it hasn't worked over the years. Maybe looking at Antonio Pierce. Maybe that makes more sense to the organization. Maybe it helps them win next year. Could you imagine if, and I'm not saying Derek Carr's had a great season because he hasn't. No. He's been an absolute waste of space for the Saints. But maybe if Derek Carr is there with Devontae Adams and with the team that they have in Antonio Pierce, maybe this team's a different team this year. Maybe it's a different roster this year if if Derek Carr is there with Devontae Adams. Maybe the the numbers would show that they're, they're a contender this year, or a playoff contender at least. So, um, Josh McDaniels, everywhere he goes, he ruins everything, <laughs> as we all know. And, uh, and, and again, Josh McDaniels could be the offensive coordinator for the Chargers next year. Oh, as God. Bill Belichick heads over there. <laughs> Uh, with Justin Herbert. Uh, My prediction, ladies and gentlemen. One can only hope that'll fix Josh McDaniels. My prediction, ladies and gentlemen. Josh McDaniels' career, because it's clearly not working for the great Kellen Moore. That's a turkey, baby. That is a turkey. Two months after Thanksgiving. Could you do that? No, that's horrible. Horrible. You you gotta you gotta add some tongue to it, you know, like your dog. <laughs> you know, use you know, your tongue like your dog, you know. Well, oh, thank you. Well, yeah, you gotta you gotta wag you gotta wag it, you know, wag it. You know, I have to wag my tongue. Wag your tongue. So now you're mixing up dog terminologies on top of all this. Yeah, what, what could I say, man? You, you got to lick. You got to lick. Uh, yeah. Now, now you're going back ice to other dog. You like now you're cream? going back to other dog terminologies. Hey, hey I, I'm just speaking the truth here. You got to use that tongue of yours. Congratulations. Do it right, man. Do it right. I don't know how to do it right. There's many ways to use your tongue, and it's not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're we're still waiting, and we're supposed to be talking to ex Forty ers Bengals, Panthers, Bears, and Titans tight end Kevin Green. What's going on with Kevin? Kevin, come on in. We're waiting for you. Kevin, where are you, Kevin? By the way, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Speedy thought it was Kevin Green, the Hall of Famer, but uh, Kevin has been gone for a while, my friend. Uh, you, you've lost your mind, man. Uh, and, and you're so good when it comes to analytics. How did you not know? It wasn't the right Kevin Green. No, uh, maybe I should, maybe uh, I work for the Raiders front office. They don't know what they're doing either. <laughs> well, that's true too. And, and and obviously, I think you would do honestly. You do a better job. And obviously, that organization needs somebody like you. So the analytic guy. But uh, yeah, getting back to and we're waiting for Kevin, and, and we'll hopefully have Kevin on uh, more sooner than later. Uh, maybe he's uh, trying to figure out how to work it. But uh, the the season comes down to week eighteen and. Honestly, with the NFL and, and, again, Miami and Buffalo, I think is such a big game. Because if Buffalo loses in Miami, they're out. After all the, the, the great comeback that they had over the last couple of weeks, if they lose in Miami, they're out of the playoffs. Because other teams could, obviously, if Pittsburgh wins, they're out. Buffalo's out. I mean, there's quite a few teams that if they win, Indianapolis, if they win and Buffalo's out, they're out. It's crazy. So Buffalo needs this game more than Miami. But if Miami loses, they lose the division. It's mm-hmm. crazy how how this works out. Uh, another game that uh, stood out to me this past week is the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Seahawks. That game really stu- stuck out to, stuck out to me. And the Seahawks, who you picked to win that game, by I the did. Way. Yeah. I had Pittsburgh, by the way. Um, the Seahawks played a hard-nosed game, and Walker had a f- sensational game. They ran the ball very well against Pittsburgh, which Pittsburgh's been a pretty good run-stopping team this year. So 
I, I was surprised, and and I think the Seahawks are completely knocked out, right? Are, are they out? No, they're not completely knocked out, but it's going to be a it's lot be harder because Green Bay has the tiebreaker. What is the now. chances of them, them uh, of them making? the It's playoffs? probably in the thirties because they're the next team after Green Bay. By the way, I still have a post nasal drip, ladies and yeah. gentlemen. So I, I, I'm speaking out of my nose. I want to apologize to everybody, but this is life, baby. Now, this is life. The 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 toughness. The tough thing for the Seahawks <laughs> is See, I can move my tongue better than you. The NFC South winner or loser, if the Saints and Bucks both win, too, I believe that one of them could also sub in for the Seahawks as well, even if Seattle does win. Now, Seattle does play Arizona, which <laughs> is not a great team, but they've been pesky in the second half of the season, like we've been talking about. They're 3-4. and four, They've beaten some good teams, so that's not going to be an easy shoe-over game like you would have thought. The Packers play against the Bears, so on paper, you would think it would be easier for the Seahawks, but the Bears... I, I, the Packers have still played well offensively at the end of the season. Yeah, but also, you look at the Packers. They can make the playoffs, like you were just saying. Uh, the Rams already clinched. Yeah. The 49ers clinched. So you have two teams in the same division in the NFC, the, uh, NFC West that's already making the playoffs. And and then even in even in the NFC East, you have the Cowboys and the Eagles that are both making the playoffs as well. So uh, the Giants are done. The Commanders are done. The Vikings, honestly, are done too. It's really yeah. down to the Packers and the Saints and the Seahawks for the last spot. And honestly, uh, who has the tiebreaker? The Saints? The Packers, Packers have it right now. And the Buccaneers. And who's the Packers playing this week? They're playing the Bears. So they're, they, they're going to win. They're at home, so they're going to be favored in that game. Now, what's interesting is the Buccaneers and the Saints are both still eligible for both the division Could and you the believe the card. Packers are going to sneak into the playoffs? They've had a terrible season. And, and Jordan Love has been up and down all season long. And some people think he's the quarterback of the future for the organization. Most people say that he's he's a, probably a backup quarterback uh, in the long run. So I, I like Jordan Love, and I think he's looked good enough to give him at least another season to see what he has. But, again, a lot of these Packer fans have been throwing him under the bus. They, they don't believe he's a consistent quarterback. But they said that about Jared Goff when he was over there with Sean McVay. Sean McVay was running the offense. He was calling all the plays at the line of scrimmage with 15 seconds. And now look at what Jared Goff has tra- transitioned into with Dan Campbell and over there with the Lions when you give him more weapons. So, And he did. And honestly, and I'm going to say this tr- for, for it to be true, Jared Goff, when he was over there, the quarterback of the Rams, they didn't have a lot of weapons. They really didn't. No. When you look at the Lions and the weapons that they have over there, St. Brown, Williams, and, and Reynolds, they, they have weapons there. And they have a, a, a star tight end that I think is going to be one of the best, if not the best tight end in football in the next two or three years. He's fantastic, by the way, Laporta. They, they have weapons. I Derrick and Gibbs is really starting to explode. By the way, everybody was talking about B. John Robinson, and everybody was questioning why Gibbs was drafting as early as he, as he was. Gibbs looked better in the second half than B. John Robinson. So it, Gibbs is explosive, and, and they have weapons all over the field. I, I'm telling you right now, if the, if the Lions sit pretty in the first round in the wildcard game, they can go all the way to the Super Bowl. It, it's all, it, it just has to set up right for the Lions. They could be, I know they're going to beat the Cowboys if they play the Cowboys again in the playoffs. They're going to beat the Cowboys. And right now... The Eagles can't play them. They're better than the Eagles. The only team right now that's better than the Lions in the NFC is really the San Francisco 49ers. And honestly, if it came down to it, I might even put a little, a couple of shekels on, on the Lions against the, the 49ers, even if it wasn't San Francisco. The Lions have nothing to lose. They're a young team, and they're up and coming, and Dan Campbell likes to go for it, baby. So, And we, we saw that. 
last week. And we saw that on Saturday night that he likes to go go for it on fourth and two and fourth and one. So, And it, he lost that game for going for it because if they went to overtime, they beat the Cowboys. I think they beat the Cowboys. They they, they were starting to move the ball better in, in, in with the last three minutes of the game. And I think, I believe Jared Goff was starting – to figure things out uh, on the offensive side of the ball. so And they, they started to throw the ball to Laporta, which it, they didn't do all game long until the second half. So I, I, I think that the Lions are as dangerous as any team right now in the playoffs. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to predict if the Lions play San Francisco in the NFC title game, they beat San Francisco. Mm-hmm. They beat Interesting. them. I don't know if San Francisco is as good as everybody thinks that they are. I really don't. I, and here's the thing. Brock Purdy has to do it in the big game. He has to do it in a big game. And Christian McCaffrey, everybody knows everything. All the offense runs through Christian McCaffrey. If you stop Christian McCaffrey, you stop the San Francisco 49ers. If he can run the ball efficiently and even give you between 70 to 80 yards and gives you a touchdown in a game, you're probably going to lose. If you can keep Christian McCaffrey between 50 and 60 and keep him out of the end zone, you're probably going to win. And Christian McCaffrey, go look at San Francisco. Every time he had 80 or more yards and a touchdown, they win the game this year. Go look at their, go look at their record. So, it, it, to me, Christian McCaffrey is the, I think, the all-in-all offensive side of, of that team. Everybody thinks so. Ayuk uh, and Debo Samuel and, and, and Kittle and all the other weapons that they have. It is Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey is that offense. Yeah, I also look at the 49ers. If you look at the way they're built, like they have one significant weakness, I think, is maybe their right side of their offensive line. Now, a good coaching staff might be able to expose that kind of thing and make it harder for Purdy. Now, we've also seen that the Niners' injuries, when they've come, have been coming in really bad times where, especially if one player goes down, it seems like an offense gets broken. So you hope that kind of thing doesn't happen if you're the 49ers. And the Lions... It's interesting if they end up playing in the playoffs. We've seen the Lions coaching definitely still be very strong. The Lions secondary on paper is not great. But what we saw in that Dallas game definitely is encouraging. If they let one guy beat them and they stop everybody else, they could still be tough in that game. Now, we'll see on the offensive side if they are able to do that. Because the Lions offensive line in recent weeks has had their issues. Jared Goff has had their issues in recent weeks, too. And the Niners obviously have a good track record against Jared Goff. Did you see, and by the way, Jeff said that Tyreek's house just burned down. It burned down earlier today, and I know he left practice. And uh, horrible. Did you see the flames? I, I, the I heard smoke. That, I heard that that happened. I, Thank I was, God, everybody got out safe. Good. Yeah. That, that, I, I guess either nobody was in the house or they no. Got out everybody safe. got okay. out safe. Good. But I, I think the house completely burnt down. Okay. All right. The, yeah. The whole house. All right. Yeah. The whole ranch. That's uh, that's crazy in itself. And Jeff, I don't know why you're trying to make it a joke. Everything's wrong in Miami. The guy's house burned down. If your house burned down, you would not be making a joke I about didn't, it. I didn't see the other thing that he wrote, but. Yeah. Everything is a mess in Miami. Okay, just because one house burned down, everything is a mess in Miami. <laughs> the guy's house burned down. Give I'm, some, telling, I'm telling. I'm telling you right now. As good as my, uh, as good as the 49ers have looked this year, as good as they have looked, I, I still question if Brock Purdy can win the big game. And and again, even though the Eagles have not looked good. They are still a scary team. If they get into the playoffs, we know what uh, Reddick has done in the playoffs. We know what kind of havoc their their defensive line can cause. And and Jalen Hurts has not had the season that we thought he was going to have from from last year. And they paid him a lot of money in the offseason. But I, I do believe Jalen Hurts hasn't been 100% all season long. And when he is on, 
he has looked completely different from the games that he hasn't looked good in. So he could he could change. He could flip flop. I think that the Eagles have the talent. I think they have just as much talent as the 49ers and the Lions. But something tells me the Lions have nothing to lose. Nothing to lose out of all these NFC games, NFC teams. I could see the Lions making it to the Super Bowl and playing the Ravens and maybe surprising the world and knocking off the Ravens. Yes, the Lions winning their first Super Bowl. The Ravens are the other team that gave them a bad blueprint, though, because the other thing the Lions have really struggled against is running quarterbacks. We've seen Justin Fields do it twice in both of those games, and Geno Smith with Seattle in Week 2. So they're going to have to figure that out if they have to play the Eagles in the playoffs if they're like a 2-3 matchup. It's so open right now in the NFC. You don't know what to expect. Even the Rams, they're dangerous, too, because Matthew Stafford, they have two wide receivers. Cooper Cup looks like... Uh, you know, back he's back to what he was uh, when, before he tore his ACL again. So uh, they have weapons. And the Rams are not the same defense that they were when they won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. But they're, they're a completely different offensive team uh, with uh, Puka and obviously Cup. So they can they – can sp- and they have Williams, who has run the ball very, very well oh, this yeah. year. A great find by them too. So they have the weapons. They're more of an offensive team than they were – uh, when they went to the Super Bowl. And, and everybody says, well, they were a pretty good offensive team. They were a good offensive team. They're more explosive this year offensively. It's the defensive side of the ball. There's a lot of questions. They're secondary. and uh, But they have the front. They still have Aaron Donald. He is still dangerous. And they could still cause havoc on the defensive side of the ball as well. And uh, Jeff has returned. All right. Jeff, what's up? Why aren't you guys considering the Cowboys winning the NFC? We're well, considering it. Just I, they're not going to be the favorites based on the, uh, the 49ers still being ahead of them, and now you're seeing the coaching still crumbling in late in games. Right, but they're they're going to be playing teams 17 on 11. They have the six officials in their pocket. <laughs> yeah, that is also true. And if that if it comes down to an unfortunate circumstance like we saw against the Lions, that is definitely going to be a bad look for the league. <laughs> right, like that. Like that's what it is. The league wants Dallas. Right, they've been favoring him the whole time. They know Dak sucks and can't get him over the finish line. They know he needs to win three in a row, so Beeb's prophecy can come true. They're trying to help him. I don't think any quarterback's going to win three Super Bowls in a row the way the league is currently constructed at this point. If the Chiefs well, aren't that's doing not it, true, Dak if Prescott's going. If, if the Chiefs aren't going to do it now with their awful wide receivers, nobody's going to do it. Well, who does the Cowboys play in the first round? Um, if be the last if team. they find out if they fall out as the second pick a second second so team they would in the play playoffs. the NFC South winner either the Bucks or the Saints okay because I'm looking at right now and the Bucks and the Saints no they won't they won't no, they won't end up playing I'm looking the at Bucks. it right now it doesn't make they any sense no they won't end up they won't end up playing the Bucks because the, the Bucks are going to win their division so they'll get a first round home game yeah. Well, yeah, I think he's saying if the scenario is Dallas falls out of the two and they don't win the division, they would. No, Dallas sits at two. Where do they? Oh, that's they right. Play? Dallas isn't. Oh, winning Dallas division. sits at two. Billions. They'll play either the Green Bay Packers or the uh, or the Seahawks or if one of those other South teams get in. It's, it's right. so interesting. If, so, if, so if Dallas keeps the two, they'll get a home game, and so are the Bucks. So, who are the two? Who are the wild card teams? Right now, it's the Packers, but mm-hmm. it, there's also Seattle still in the mix, and uh, the Bucks or the Saints could also still make it too. I think the Bucks are a dangerous team if they make the playoffs. They're a very dangerous team. Their defense is good. They can run the ball. And Baker Mayfield's played pretty well this year. And they have weapons on the outside. With Evans, who's been – he wants that big he's contract. Been, oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He's been better than Patrick Mahomes this year. 
<laughs> yeah, statistically, they're actually not far off in some areas. Yes, I wouldn't yes. go that, I wouldn't go that far talent-wise, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, stop it, Speedy. Look at the numbers. <laughs> Mm. Uh, we we have Kevin Green waiting. Uh, Jeff, call back. Thank you. Uh, Jeff from Tampa again, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> as uh, he calls Speedy a little dumb or stupid. Speedy, you like that? I don't like it, but how about we? Uh, you know, I'm sure, it's a, not, I'm sure it's not the first time. How about time it if we, we get life. a tennis racket and tie Jeff to a chair and beat him with a tennis racket? Would you be? I'm not going to risk the criminal charges. I'll, uh, criminal I'll, charges? We're not killing him. I don't know. I'm Kevin not, will help us. Okay, I'm not, not going to risk. Kevin that. will help us time to a chair, and then Speedy, you could beat him. With I am not friend. getting involved in this. If, you can if, use his head. If as Kevin a wants ball. to get involved in beating up our caller. I mean, that's, be, uh, that's a whole different. It'd be thing, fun. But. I mean, <laughs> we tape him. You know, we'll tape him to a chair. Hey, listen, I'm, I'm going to tell you guys a quick story. I was a bad kid, and my cousin used to babysit me, my cousin Mark, and I used to con my brother and sister with cookies, and and what I did was I waited to my my cousin fall asleep in, in a chair, and what we did was we taped his legs and we taped his arms to the chair, and when he woke up, he, he realized he was taped to a chair, and then we pushed him on the side, and then we stayed up. We had ice cream and everything like that. We waited. My parents beat the hell out of me, by the way, uh, when they came home, but he actually, we left him in that chair. We didn't put anything on his nose. We just put it on his mouth so he couldn't scream, but that's a true story, by the way, and my mom would tell you that, Speedy, so be careful. I might tie you to a chair. I'll do it to Jeff, and, and you could beat him with a tennis racket. I am not beating him up with a tennis racket. I didn't say you're going to beat him up. We just beat him with a tennis racket. Okay. We're not beating him up. We're not hurting him. Uh, well, we are hurting him, but we're doing it in in a nice way, a calm way. We use his head as a tennis ball. Okay. You do you. Oh, you do you. It's it's all about you, Speedy. No, it's not. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we will be talking to former Forty ers Bengals, Panthers, Bears, Titans, tight end Kevin Green here on the Sports Landmouth. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouth. Oh, yeah, yeah, bring it back, baby. Bring it back, Kevin. Dancing. Woo. Little shaft. Oh. There we go. There you go, Kevin. Shake that. Tennis racket, Speedy. Tennis racket. Do the tennis racket, Speedy. That is not a real dance. Forehand. (laughs) <laughs> Kevin knows it's not a real dance. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You're listening to the Sports Loudmouth. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, including the Loudmouth with me and Speedy PD every single Wednesdays and Thursdays at 7 p.m. You can tune into all our local listings of all the shows throughout the country. All you have to do is check out our website by going to www.worldwidesportsradio.com. It's been a great show. Thank you to Matt O'Leary, uh, Talking Jet Show. Uh, he's fantastic. But this guy, and by the way, before we introduce him, Speedy reached out to me and he told me that we're going to have Kevin Kevin. Green on the show. I said, I said the Hall of Famer. He said he tells me the Hall of Famer. I said, my bad, Kevin, Kevin Green. My bad. I- Kevin Green passed away a couple of years ago. Unless we're going to a cemetery and interviewing over there in a cemetery, uh, it's not the same Kevin Green. And he says, Oh, wait a second, that's not the same Kevin. Green. You know what it was, Kevin? I, I found your I found your account on a, I think related to another Steelers <laughs> player. So I just I just in my head assumed it was. But <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. That has happened to me numerous times. Fair Thank enough. God I actually did play in the NFL so that people can actually you know. <laughs> We have something to talk about. Yeah. 
I told Speedy, I told Speedy, wait a second. I know Kevin Green. He was part of the Jets coaching staff. He is gone. He had a heart attack. So right. in, and, and unless we are going to the cemetery and speaking to him when he's in his uh, coffin, uh, we're not interviewing Kevin Green. See, but, Kevin, it might be a good thing that you weren't part of the Jets coaching staff. That's probably true. You know, there, there was a time where I was doing a radio show and they had no idea that I was, you know, the tight end Kevin Green. The first question they asked me, so can you talk about your time, you know, when you were part of NWO wrestling and things like that after you were done retiring? And I was like, oh my God, this is the wrong cage. <laughs> You know what it is, Kevin? This guy, he is an analytic genius. He really is. And he knows a lot about sports and, and all different former players. But for some reason, he, he didn't go that far into it with Kevin Green. And I'm like, Kevin Green played for the Carolina Panthers. That was when he was at the top of his game. That's when I remember him. He played for yep. Pittsburgh. He played all over the place. But this isn't the same Kevin Green. I, I said, right, right. This isn't the same Kevin Green. And I remember Kevin Green when NWO over there with the WCW. This isn't the same Kevin Green. So anyways, we're happy to have him on. We are now talking to former 49ers, Bengals, Panthers, Bears, Titans, tight end. Yes, tight end, not defensive lineman, Kevin yes. Green. Kevin, why don't we get into it? I mean, obviously, you played for the 49ers, and, and there's a lot of questions with the 49ers this year, before we get into your career, uh, that they are the best team right now in football. And one of the main reasons, Christian McCaffrey, the weapons that they have, Brock Purdy has come out of nowhere. What were your thoughts this season, in the second half of the season, where everybody was comparing this 49er team as one of the elite teams in all of the NFL? I think from a defensive standpoint, you have to hand this team, right? Everybody knows the 49ers from just how well that defense was when they had guys like Patrick Willis, Deshaun Goldson, both, both the Smith brothers, right? And just how well their defense took them to the Super Bowl. And you look at this 49er team, it's, and it's the exact same thing. Games are one up front. Games are one up front. And the D-line with the 49ers is where they are winning and living and dying by every single Sunday. So I, I, I love it. I, I, I don't see that comparison too far off, to be honest with you. So one of the other teams you played for was Chicago. They've made a lot of news recently, too, with the whole, do they keep Justin Fields or do they draft a quarterback at number one? The fans are chanting for him. They want him again after uh, Justin Fields was taking shots at them about three months ago. So what are yeah. your thoughts on that whole scenario? You know, it's a situation where Chicago is a very tough city to play in, right? And they love their their football. They love their teams. But football is king in the city of Chicago. Um, I think Justin Fields, you know, I, I can honestly see him going somewhere else next year. Um, I it's, it'll be tough for him to come back to Chicago and try and win them back over, especially taking shots at the coaching staff and the fans and things like that. I say fresh start. I personally see him heading to Atlanta with the Falcons. Hmm. Very interesting. I listen, listen to Kevin. He's throwing curveballs. Bet on it, baby. Go to Vegas and bet on it. This is Kevin Green, not Kevin Green, you know, not the great Hall of Famer, the tight end, the great tight end that was in the NFL for three years from 2014 to 2017. Uh, another team that really stands out that you played for was the Titans, a, a team uh, that some people thought was pro playoff bound this year. They have Mike Vrabel as their head coach. Uh, they still have Derrick Henry, uh, and, and they have a great defense. Uh, they fell apart this year for whatever reason. They found their quarterback, I believe, in Levitz. I, I think he's a fantastic young player. But nevertheless, uh, they, they trusted in Tannehill, and it mm -hmm. didn't work out. The only thing that's good to watch when it comes to Tannehill is his wife. I'm just being honest. That's the only thing, uh, the only thing that looks good. But anyways. He knows, he knows how to pick him. <laughs> oh, so do I. But anyways. Uh, <laughs> 
But uh, uh, the Titans right now going into the offseason, there's a lot of questions if they're going to keep Mike Vrabel. Maybe they trade him away to the Patriots. Some people think that the Patriots are going to part ways with him. Do you see Mike Vrabel getting traded uh, for a significant pick to go to the Patriots and be the next New England Patriots head coach? I can see Vrabel willingly wanting to leave and to, to get away from that organization and, you know, to pretty much take up where Bill Belichick is left off with the Patriots. Um, I think the biggest thing that Tennessee needs to think about is what are they going to do with, with Derek, mm-hmm. with, with, with Derek Henry. I think that what we've seen this past offseason is the year of the running back and how running backs are wanting to be paid more. But at the same time, their lifespan is not really looking as if they are 30, 40, $50 million guys. Um, they've built that whole organization around DH. And I think that what they're seeing is that they have to bring more weapons around him. Right. Or if not that, get rid of him and bring in some better assets around Levitz. So uh, you being a tight end, we've seen a lot of changes with the tight end position. It used to be a position like you had those Gronk types, those big bulkier guys. And now you're kind of seeing more of a speed tight end hybrid wide receiver types. Do you think that's going to be a trendsetter for the rest of the league? And can you see a point where they surpass the wide receivers? Of course, of course. I was fortunate enough to play right when the tight end was starting to turn into that hybrid wide receiver. Um, I played with Vernon Davis, Delaney Walker, uh, and Martellus Bennett. And those were guys that, to be honest, you know, they, they, didn't, they weren't asked to block much. They were asked to flex out, go out there, catch a pass. I think I, I can more and more see guys, um, you know, turning into those giant wide receivers, tight ends, flexing out more. I, I think it's going to be a change in how offenses are schemed up. As everybody knows, we are talking to former uh, 49ers, Bengals, Panthers, Bears, and Titans tight end Kevin Green. Uh, played all the way from 2014 to 2017. Uh, what are, before we get into your career, what are you doing right now now that you're retired? I've been working in tech since I retired. Uh, born and raised here in the Bay Area. Tech is the mothership of where a lot of people go to as far as a nine to five. I felt like it was my calling to not really go back into coaching or being a trainer and things like that. Just want to change what is perceptive of the former player when they're done. And that's working in tech. Now, that, I do a lot of public speaking as well. Oh, really? Where, where, where have you done your public speaking? At various companies, startups, different universities. Um, I'll be heading down to my alma mater, USC, this spring to go teach a class and just talk about transitioning out of the league and what you know, just what that looks like. Some of the the hell that a lot of players go through. <laughs> I, I, I do a lot of that. It's it's, it's tough, fellas. Speaking of your background at USC, and I, that's what I want to get into, you, you played for USC, uh, one of the more prestige colleges in college football. What was it like, obviously, being recruited by USC and then going to USC and then going into the NFL? It was a dream to get recruited at USC. It was a dream to graduate from USC. As far as playing at USC, that shit was a nightmare. Not a knock to the coaches or staff or anything like that. Well, I guess you can't say it was the coaches. When I was at USC, Coach Carroll recruited me, mm-hmm. right? Everybody wanted to be recruited for Coach Carroll, win championships. They were coming right off of the Rose Bowl against Penn State. But then right after that, that's when sanctions hit. And that's when everything that happened when Reggie was there, we had got hit with. So we lost scholarships. We couldn't go to a bowl game. We had Lane Kiffin. It worked out for a little bit, but we all know how the Lane Kiffin era ended. And then from there, um, I had Ed Ogeron, who was my D-line coach during the Lane Kiffin era. And everybody loved Coach O. Coach O was told that he was not going to get the job heading into the bowl game and that's when Clay Helton, who ended up taking over after Sarkeesian, was our head coach for one game. So I tell people, man, my time at USC, I had four different head coaches while I was there in total. So, you know, when it comes to playing at USC, the shit was not as fun as I thought it was going to be. 
All right, I have to ask, now you mentioned Ed Orgeron, who was a great personality when he was at LSU, too. You have a good Ed Orgeron story that maybe a lot of people don't know about. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> so, Coach Ed Orgeron, he, he was at USC during the heyday. And if it's one, if, if it's two schools that he does not like, it is Florida and it is U, U, uh, excuse me, UCLA. He would never let anybody come into the D-line room or the team meeting room with any sort of blue on. We had a four-star recruit, George Uko. He was from Chino, California. He was a freshman. And I think it was might have been his third week um, playing on the team. We had a big team meeting right going into training camp. Coach O got up, ran from the other side of the room, ripped his shirt off as if it was Hulk Hogan in the 80s. And just left him there. Shirt ripped, man titties out, everything. Just throughout the whole practice. Um, excuse me, throughout the whole meeting. And it was something to where, you know, that was Coach O's kind of, that was Coach Kiffin and Coach O's first year there. So just to see how enthused he was and just how much hatred he had for UCLA um, and just the color blue. He, he sees blue like a bull sees red. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you speaking about bulls, I'm actually going to Madison Square Garden and watching, you know, a bulls riding tournament yeah. over there, championship bulls riding uh, for yeah. – uh, for and I'm actually uh, going to do my credentials interview some cowboys. I've never done it before. It's something sure. that I'm going to enjoy. I've done everything but doing that. So I- I'm going to have the opportunity to do it, Speedy, with your friend Ashley Sarge. <laughs> oh, oh, the only thing is just, just make sure you don't invite Rex Ryan to do it. He loves to do. You crazy know what's things so funny? Ryan. Ashley Ashley has one leg. So. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine him trying to run from a ball? The DN's name for the Vikings that that um, that was there for years. <laughs> uh, big, tall, white guy. He played with me on the Bears. Jared Allen? Jared Allen. Yeah. So Jared Allen was with me in Chicago. Yes. And I remember yep. sitting next to him during training table, during you know, training camp and stuff. And all he would talk about was bull riding. He was like, Kevin, I'm about to retire. This is damn near my last year doing this football shit. I'm moving out to my ranch. And I'm just going to be tackling bulls for the rest of my life. He's <laughs> out of his mind. He was a great player. He's a Hall of Famer. Tremendous player. He's yes. a fantastic yes. player. He's funny, too. Never got a chance to interview him. I would love to interview him because he's got that spark, that personality that yes. uh, definitely draws you. You could t- Every time he would... He was speaking to the press. He wore, he wore a cowboy hat, and yep. he always stood out. It, it didn't matter who it was. It didn't matter who he was standing next to and what kind of star he was standing next to. He always stood out because he always had that, like, deep Texas accent. Mm-hmm. It was very funny. It, it really was. Jared Allen and, and Justin Smith. When I was with the yes. Players, we, oh, yeah. we, we called him Cowboy. Um, those are the two countryest, hilarious dudes that I've ever played with. <laughs> Just two walking trees. <laughs> Boy, Julius Peppers, too, man. That, that's yeah, a walking yeah. That's a walking tree. (laughs) He's a walking tree, by the way. Uh, We are talking to former 49ers, Bengals, Panthers, Bears, and Titans tight end Kevin Green. Kevin, you look at the league right now, and with the new rules and the way the league is transitioning, Roger Goodell is trying to find many different ways for you to hate the game, okay? I mean, and then with the CT situation, we've spoken to a lot of ex-players and how the NFL has handled the situation has been absolutely poor. What are your thoughts, obviously a former player and, and some of the stuff that the NFL is trying to transition the league into, do you like it? Do you not like it? And why? It's a tough situation because we all know football is the most physical game here on, on planet earth. And you know, you cannot be successful in football without being extremely physical. The other side of that is Goodell and the refs trying to make the game safer. How do you make the game safer without making the game look quote unquote soft? Mm-hmm. I think that it's, it's an interesting take because down the road you see guys being affected, you know, from CTE. But at the same time, there's also 
things that guys do to themselves, you know, extracurricular activities that, you know, lead to drugs and, and just you know, guys getting shot up with stuff so that they can, that they can continue to play that play a factor into some guys demise down the road. Um, so it, it, it's tough. I think since the movie concussion came out with Will Smith, you know, the level of urgency when it comes to CTE and bettering players has gone through the roof. You know, Goodell's done a, I guess from what he understands, done a great job of trying to make it safer. <laughs> but it's just tough. You know, sometimes you watch the game, you're like, why in the hell would they throw a flag on that? I think, um, I think the Cowboys were playing. Was it Miami the other day? Lions. Yes, yes. And there was a late hit, mm-hmm. and it was like, you know, what is the guy supposed to do? He's coming at the quarterback. 100 miles an hour, and the quarterback lets it go right at the last minute. How are you, how's he supposed to stop his body? Mm-hmm. And in situations like that to where I just don't agree with how the game is changing. Um, but, you know, thank God I'm I'm done. <laughs> you know, it so. And it's not like I was a guy that, that had a say-so and, you know, what was going to be moving forward and what wasn't. But um, it's tough to play now. So, I can, you know, you, you see them putting flag football into the Pro Bowl weekend. And there's parts of me where it's like that's some bullshit but what are you going to do right you're trying to market the game of football to the mother out there that you know the single mother that wants their kid to be completely safe how do i groom this child to continue to play football if i see guys getting their head knocked off every single day well let's add flag football to the pro Bowl. okay well that looks a little bit safer (laughs) tom brady already fixed his flag football and yet he's the one that played all his whole career oh my god exactly Exactly. I mean, NFL probably be two-hand touch next. Who knows? <laughs> Tom Brady will come out of retirement then. <laughs> Tom Brady will play at 60. <laughs> right. <laughs> so the other thing I want to the other thing I wanted to mention, because I know you, you're speaking for a lot of these players too, a lot of these players that don't get the same benefits that they do at the end of the season, either with player incentives, this is the week for a week 18, and a lot of these, they're trying to get incentives in their contract, and also with injuries too, injury insurance that the NFL does not do very well. What are your thoughts to all that, the way these owners, these front offices love to manipulate teams just saw Russell Wilson get benched so they don't have to pay a bonus to him. Like, what are your thoughts to all that? I think it's bullshit. I, I, I think it's bullshit how much money is kept from these players putting their life on the line. I mean, in, in what world does a baseball player sign for $700 million and, you know, he's not taking a shot to the head every day, right? I, I think that that is bullshit how much these owners are not trying to pay these guys and not trying to look out for these guys when they're done. I think the term of we're a family, you know, when you're on the Titans, right? It's a family, we're a family, family this, family that. But then once they cut you, you know, they also cut your phone number as well. <laughs> and so it's it's very tough to still find that family ideology when, you know, you get cut after playing in the league for two months and you don't have a dime to your name. And that's not because you didn't save it all. That's because you didn't think that you were going to get cut and you weren't paid enough. I mean, a game check for a rookie at the time is only 17K. And there's guys that get cut after that. So you're only walking, you know, you're only walking off with say 36 grand in your pocket after two games. And so you get cut and you never get picked back up. Well, then you're fucked. But at the same time, you signed for a $400,000 contract and you don't see a dime of it. So I've never been one to agree with how these contracts have been set up. And, and I think that it is tough, man, how much these players, what these players go through, uh, just hearing their conversations when, when they're done playing, you know, a lot of them are broke and that going broke aspect is not from them buying who, what, when, and whatever, when they're playing It's them not being paid enough for their services. 
And, and it's so crazy when you look at the league and, and the way the league works because you have Roger Goodell who's making, uh, what, $55 million a year. He has a life – he has life uh, – I think life insurance when it comes to yeah. – uh, him and his family have insurance for the rest of their lives even when he's done as the commissioner. So for life. And he has his own jet. He can fly wherever he wants. So he's set for life. And this guy's never put his body on the line at all, yeah. either as his kids. But everybody else, you, everybody else. Else that we've interviewed, you name it, Taba Ali, everybody we've yeah. interviewed over the years, they've all put their bodies on the line. And then after they're done, like you said, we were family and we're no longer part of the family anymore. And that's the problem with the NFL. They build a family thought. And, and that's what they say. We're family. We're, we're a part of a, you know, we're a part of a brand for the rest of your yeah. lives. And then when the brand is done for you, you're pretty much thrown out, tossed to, you know, toss this side and say, uh, bring on the next one, bring on the next young guy. And then after that, when they're done, they're looked at as just another piece of trash uh, as the other guys were, you know, 10, 15 years before them. So it yeah, is, I'm, it's horrible. I, I always laugh at, you know, you, you guys watch the draft, right? Mm-hmm. When, a, when a player walks across the stage and they see Goodell yep. and he gives him that, that soul, him. That handshake. And I knock his ass out, man. I knock his head, elbow. Yeah, exactly. Get right. over your knee to the chest, baby. <laughs> <laughs> it, super, it like super punch. This guy for like his whole career, and it's just interesting to see just that, just that come togetherness that they have when the, you know, the kid gets drafted, and then five years later, you know, say something happens, it's like, hey man, you know, go fuck yourself. So <laughs> I, it's 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 rough to see, but you know, Kevin, come on, Kevin, Kevin wouldn't you? Kevin, wouldn't you want to see somebody just when they, their name gets called up, you see Roger Goodell, he's ready to hug him, and he just does a like a Superman punch to the face and knocks him out. You see him laying there, and you'll be like, I don't condone CTE, anybody. you little bastard! CTE! <laughs> <I don't condone> <laughs> He'll never play in the NFL again. Yeah, exactly. That'd be a rally, uh, Suspended indefinitely for yeah. rallying against the NFL. in Germany or something like that. Oh, come on. You wouldn't I, I would pay for any I'd say listen whoever whoever you are you're a first round draft pick second round draft pick I, I I'm a rich guy I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you fifty million dollars for knocking out Roger Goodell on that stage. Well let me tell you something Kevin I I'm not a big fan of his okay because I was I was over there in Miami a couple of years ago uh, for the Super Bowl and I was invited to do Radio Row. Yeah. I go I go into the building and I'm looking for my badge. I go up to the lady and she says, uh, I give her my name, blah, 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 my network. And she says, I don't see your name. And I said, what do you mean you don't see my name? And she, I said, I got the letter. I showed her the letter. She says, well, your name's not here. So I go up to, I go up to the door and I said, could I, could I speak to somebody? So mm-hmm. they bring one of the VPs of public relations down and, and I'm standing there and I had a conversation with her and she tells me, Sir, you know, there wasn't enough room. Um, there wasn't enough room. You invited me here. I right. flew over here. I had a rent a car. I bring all my equipment over here, and you're telling me there's not a spot for me. Well, well sorry, sir, blah, 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 blah. It's like, how about I go and ask every single one of your employees how you treat every single one of them and how much yeah. you're paying them and write a big story about you guys. Oh, you could do whatever you want. It's it's up to you what you want to do. I was like, oh, good, I'll, I'll do that. So I wrote a big story, and I asked everybody. You know, some of the people didn't want to even answer any of the questions because they were afraid they were going to lose their job or it, it was going to get out to the NFL. The problem with the NFL is it's not even Roger Goodell. It's it's the owners. It, it's yeah. it's all the – if you say something they don't like – or you come out, you know, with conflict in right. what you say, 
they're going to throw you away like they do to all their other players. And I think it's despicable. I think it's disgraceful. And that somebody speaks up for the players, speaks up for um, the fans. It, it, It doesn't. They don't like it. They don't want to hear it. And that's shame on them because you want to know something. In the long run, it's not going to stop me from coming out and saying my – coming out with my feelings and saying what I really feel about the organization exactly. as a whole. Exactly. Nor should it. Nor mm-hmm. should it. I, I think that a lot of players, you know, when they're done, they should be able to speak freely about their experience in the of NFL. I mean, you know, the NFL doesn't stand for National Football League. It stands for not for long. <laughs> and I think that guys should be able to talk about that and – you know, like I said, I play with guys that have played eight years, 18 years, and I play with guys that played eight months, you know, or guys that have played one training camp and that's it. So it's more so an experience than it is a career. And I, I think that, you know, when you play for a team and you do everything that they ask you to do, and sometimes you barely get a chance to even meet the fucking owner, right? But at the same time, you know, they're cutting the check and you are family. You can invite to the Christmas party if you make it that long in the, in the season. Uh, but at the same time, you know, once you're done, you're done. Mm-hmm. And you are just another replaceable item, to be honest with you, man. Yes, I want to go back to USC uh, for this season, for one thing. Obviously, big news. They're going to the Big Ten along with many other teams. So that's one. And what are your thoughts on that? And also, Caleb Williams. Is there as much questions of his maturity, do you think, as there should be at the NFL draft? So I'll I'll start with Caleb. Um, He could could play some goddamn football, man. He could play some football. Um, I think as far as maturity going into the draft, it's, it's a different age. It's a different age. You know, a, a lot of these guys that are being drafted, you know, they're, they're not the the Andrew Luck, right, from a mature standpoint, right? They're not the Carson Palmer, right? They're, they're not the grown-ass man walking into the combine that is impressing everybody with their looks, how they talk. I think the players nowadays, they are more of an individual, right? And I love it because they're showing a little bit more style and they're kind of changing the game a little bit. Now, my biggest thing is if you were, if you were going to – be one of the front runners to change the game, change the narrative, then make sure your game can back it up. Um, I think Caleb's game will definitely back it up. I love that he transferred to USC. I wish he would have started there. Uh, maybe we would have won a couple more rings or something like that. But I'm excited to see what he does next year. Now, from what I understand, he has he has announced that, that he's leaving yet. Has mm-hmm. he? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I can't wait to see what the kid does. Um, I'm hoping he goes first. I'm hoping he, he's in the lottery, top 10. But we'll see. As far as USC going to the Big Ten, I cannot wait. I cannot. I think that that helps us, USC, from the standpoint of recruiting. I think that helps us as far as being seen more on a national level. Um, most of our games here on the West Coast, man, they're on Fox Sports. And, you know, if, if you're in Nevada or Arizona or California, Oregon, Seattle, that's about the only time you can watch it. If you're in New York, Texas, it's not happening at all. So I think that will help us bring guys from the southern states, Midwest states, uh, to come play. In L.A., I mean, who the hell wouldn't want to be in 70-degree weather in the middle of October, right? (laughs) And at the same time, with this NIL deal, you know, there's way more money to be made at the University of USC, at the University of Southern California, than there is Wisconsin. It's crazy. I'm excited, excited, man. Um, You know, I I have my own thoughts about the NIL. I wish that I could have got a part of that when I was playing at USC. Um, I think that at the same time, it allows guys to be a little bit more spoiled and not work as hard. for what they want, and that is to get drafted. And uh, you know, I, I, it's like it's like, what do you say? What do you say, right? I mean, I think players should be getting paid in college, but at the same time, you know, for a guy to like to forfeit going to the NFL because he's making more bread in the league in in, in, in college, it's like shit. 
I can't really knock him for that, <laughs> you know? And that was the biggest thing with Caleb. He's like, I'm making millions as a quarterback for USC. Why would I want to jeopardize my draft stock by declaring for the NFL? But I think he made the right decision. As everybody knows, we are talking to former 49ers, Bengals, Panthers, Bears, and Titans tight end Kevin Green. You're, you were speaking about USC, and Lincoln Riley's been connected to Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, if Mike McCarthy can't get this team out of the wild card game or – out of the first round of the playoffs, I mean, Mike McCarthy could be looking for a new job. And a, a coach that has been really highly connected to Jerry Jones is Lincoln Riley. Could you see Lincoln Riley coming to the NFL and being successful as an NFL head coach, as a big offensive mind that we've seen in college football? I think if he brings the right he, – he has to bring the right D.C. He has to bring the right defensive coordinator, you know, Lincoln Riley can dial up any offensive scheme, play anything, and, and that shit will work. We've seen it work year after year at, at USC. But he has to bring the right defensive mindset, guys. Um, I can I can definitely see the Cowboys trying their best to bring him in. I mean, uh, Cliff Kingsbury was supposed to come was supposed to be the head coach of USC, and then went on to be the head coach for the Cardinals. Mm. I can see him leaving. The only reason that I think he would not is to get a little bit of the action in the new conference mm. and just to see what that looks like as far as recruiting, what that looks like as far as success, and just being able to be the head coach for USC in this new conference to bring a title, mm-hmm. a title there. I, I, I can see him sticking it out for one more year just because of that, because shit like that goes down in history. Uh, one of our fans, who was a Bears fan, has a question. Uh, how how miserable was the Bears' ownership of front office when you played for them? And in this draft, who trades the number one pick to Caleb Williams, who do you think? Who trades the number one pick to Caleb Williams? Oh, man. Trades for the number one pick. Yeah, tr- trades for the number one pick. Um, John Fox was was the head coach when I was in Chicago. Love John Fox. Yeah, um, I, I was not there long enough to meet the um, the, the the family that that owns it. House, uh, the, yeah. Yes, yes, I wasn't there long enough. Um, but as far as Caleb is concerned, who who would have the number one draft pick this year? The Bears, right, right now, now. The Bears. That's why he's asking Bears, that because they yeah, have the Carolina yeah. pick. Yeah, I see the Bears bringing him in. I really, you you think they give up on Justin Fields? <clears throat> I think do. I, I mean, it's very tough to come back when you. As a player, right, especially as the starting quarterback, as the guy, you never throw your teammates, your players, or the fans under the bus because those are people that are supporting you day in and day out. And and he really messed up when he did that. And like I said earlier, man, and like this guy that, that just wrote in, you know, he's a Chicago fan, right? And he, mm-hmm. he the Bears. So he knows how much that shit hurt when you have your guy, your starting quarterback, talk talk shit about you like that. Mm-hmm. So I see the Bears getting rid of him, and I see them replacing him with, with, with Caleb. Interesting. Very, very interesting. One more question for me. I know you're a busy guy, and uh, obviously we'd love to get you on again. You're you're great, by the way. You're a great Thanks. speaker. You have a great personality, and and you know about your team. You know you know about your teams, and you know about football. That, there's no question about that. When you look at the league as a whole, and obviously going into the playoffs with uh, this rule that you get a chance to score. If if you score, you get a chance to take the ball down. It's the Josh Allen rule. Do yes. you like that? And and do you think that the NFL should bring that in throughout the season instead of just the playoffs? They should make it throughout the season. I think that to add a new rule and just make it in the playoffs when guys' livelihood and their full-time careers are on the line like that. I mean, your career's on the line every Sunday. But it's win or go home in the playoffs. And for them to implement this new rule, um, I don't agree with it at all. 
at all. It's especially, you know, something that they made up and kind of developed and say if a game comes down to that and then a team, you know, say the fucking Cowboys or something or, or the Niners lose to something like that. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, instead of letting us go out here and letting our defense do their thing and the offense do their thing, we're throwing out this Josh Allen rule. And because of that, the whole season's over. So yeah. I don't agree with it. You know, um, we, we had a phrase when I was at USC and it was, don't make shit up. <laughs> <laughs> and that is exactly what, what I feel the NFL is doing with this rule. They are making shit up. Don't do that. <laughs> All right. Last question for me quickly. What were your, what, what would be your Super Bowl pick right now? And who do you got national championship, Washington or Michigan? National championship. Man, you know, I played for Harbaugh and I love Washington being in the pack being in the Pac-10 and Pac-12 when I was there. Yes. Um, Go ahead, say it. Say it. Say it. <laughs> say it. I see Harbaugh getting this done, man. I don't. I think you Penix, don't. I think uh, everything that I saw, uh, I, what Penix did yeah, against did. A, a great team, I, yeah. I think Penix, I think he's Lamar Jackson Jr. the second. Okay? Yeah. I think he's fantastic. But that defense – that defense that Michigan has, man, yeah. they, they, they they know how to they know how to they know how to lay some wood, man. Mm-hmm. They do. So, but at the same time, you know, Harbaugh's my guy. I have a personal relationship with the dude. You know, I don't know a fucking soul over there, in Washington. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, gotta go with my guy Harbaugh, man. You know, he gave me a shot in the NFL, so I will forever be grateful for that guy. Um, I just hated the fact that how high he wore his pants during practice. <laughs> his Levi's were so high. They, they damn near were touching the bottom of his chin, man. It was so funny. <laughs> I love that dude. The coach, you know, you you, you got to loosen the pants up a little bit. <laughs> Who do you have going to the Super Bowl? Going to the Super Bowl? Um, if, if I'm not going to go with my obvious pick of the Niners, um, which I think, you know, they, they will see some trouble down the line. I think it, it's, it's Purdy's going to get tested. Purdy's going to get tested, and I think ownership is going to really realize that this is going to be our guy moving forward. Defense, they'll be fine, but uh, Purdy's going to get his ass tested, man. As far as the Super Bowl is concerned, I like Jackson. I like Baltimore. I like I, I, I like Baltimore getting that done. I would love to see Baltimore get that done. I, I like know. Lamar Jackson. I don't, I don't think yeah. anybody respects him enough of what yeah. he's done. And by the way, I, I've been saying this over and over and over again. There was a, a GM slash president that gave him one more gift. Baltimore, he gave him one more gift. And Speedy, you know who I'm talking about. Ozzie. Ozzie Newsome, who, Ozzie. Ozzie, yeah. who, who came out and, and before he retired, he gave them Lamar Jackson. And ever yeah. since he's given them Lamar Jackson, they've given him a chance to win every single year. Lamar needs yeah. to get over the hump. He needs to play in a championship, I think he will get it done this year. He'll get into the championship. Right. We'll see what happens. But I, I like the Lions too. I they're they're a scary yeah, team. Yeah, yeah, they're a yeah. scary team, I mean, man. Yeah, Dan Campbell, come on, man. I mean, if if push comes to shove, that motherfucker will put on some helmets and a shoulder pad himself and run out there if he could. He wanted to put a regular <laughs> lion on the sideline. He's out exactly. of his, <laughs> that guy's out of his mind. I, I love yes. Dan Campbell. I I never realized how funny he is until I watched right. Hard Knocks. But yeah. he he actually works out with the guys. He does the he same does. workouts as they do. He's a huge human being, man. I, I had a uh, I had a tryout for the Dolphins, and he was the tight end coach mm-hmm. at the time. 
And uh, my God, man, just a big, intimidating, scary dude. Remind me of Kevin Nash. <laughs> just a big dude. But to get back to your question, um, I, I think Lamar Jackson gets it done. I, I love the fact that he took a chance on him. I'm all about guys taking a chance on themselves and betting on themselves. He did that hiring his mom to do his contract. He did that by playing uh, last year without guaranteed money. And the way that he responded to all of that shit, man, by playing out as, as well as he is right now, um, I love that. Plus, Nelson Aguilar and uh, T. Jackson, who is the quarterback coach, uh, who's at USC with me. Um, and Nelson is a Trojan. And Josh Johnson as well, Oakland, California native, uh, has been on every fucking team in the world. And uh, you know, was, was there with me um, when I was with the Niners. And he was the guy that really helped me out. So that's like a big brother to me. That's Marshawn Lynch's little cousin. So. I'm cheering for them boys out, out there in Baltimore, man. I think it, it would do a lot of good to that city just to see some some wins. But um, I mean, you know, we'll see. We'll see what Purdy can do here in the playoffs. But that defense, that that, that defense in San Fran is pretty goddamn good. Dan Campbell could have gotten that uh, Dol- the, the Dolphins job out the year after. All the players loved him, but then they hired the great Adam Gase. <laughs> I know, I know. Can you guys imagine what will happen if Detroit were to make it to the Super Bowl and win it? Mm. I honestly think hell would freeze over. <laughs> I think it would. I mean, watching the Jets play enough garbage football, but nevertheless, I, I, I would I would love to see the Lions win. I, I really I would. would. A team I that would just too. had bad luck. And by the way, I feel bad for Barry Sanders for all the years that he was dominating, never had a good team around him. If Could you imagine Barry Sanders on this team? Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And, and, and you know, I, I know this might be sacrilegious for me to say this, you know, but there, there is a small part of me, man, that would love to see – and hear me out when I say this, all right? I would love to see the Cowboys have some success. I'd never cheer for the Cowboys because I cannot stand Jerry Jones. But I always say to myself, man, if you win, he gives up ownership. I would love to see the Cowboys have some success, man. You know, I mean, the, the fans are something else. But it's like, goddamn, like, it's the Cowboys, right? <laughs> but, you know, maybe not this year. How about those Cowboys, as Jimmy right. Johnson said on Saturday night, by the way. And congratulations right. Right. to Jimmy. I, 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 years and years ago, I met Jimmy Johnson at an event. Jimmy Johnson is a nice guy and uh, shame on Jerry Jones, keeping him out of the Cowboys hall of fame. This is a guy that has been all about the Cowboys and, and, and who knows the Cowboys probably win probably five Super Bowls if he stays there uh, with the Cowboys. So so. shame on, shame on Jerry Jones for what he did. Uh, Jerry Jones, that just shows you who Jerry Jones is. uh, And and, right. And what he's all about. But, hey, listen, Jerry Jones, just say whatever you want. The guy's a multi-billionaire, and he built that that organization into a multi – really phenomenon. They're no, unbelievable. He honestly has. He, he has. I, I just think he has too much power over there, and that's why I think that that, is be, that has been their ultimate demise. Let's hire you. Kevin, yeah. let's hire you. Let's 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 make you the GM. Uh, yeah, exactly. Let's, let's transition know. that team, man. Let's go. Let's go. You be the you be the GM. I'll be the VP. You know, and I you know we build this team into a championship yeah. team. We fire Mike McCarthy. We make Dak Prescott the richest person in the world, and we're ready to go. Dak for president, baby. Anyways, I, I like Dak. I don't care what anybody says. And then uh, his friend, the Beeve, will uh, sell his fanship and become a fan of a different team. Oh, please. He, <laughs> it's so funny, Kevin. This guy, and I, I love him. He, he's a great kid. He's a big Cowboy fan. He thinks that if he became the GM of the team and he ran this organization, he can make this team a Super Bowl contender. But when he's the same guy that told me, okay, right. that CD, the fact that CD Lamb fell to them, that CD Lamb is going to fail, he's going to stink in the league. And I'm like, 
are we talking about the same CD Lamb that played for Oklahoma? Do you even know what you're talking about? I mean, you, you, and look at him. He's a top three right. wide receiver in the league. He's been unbelievable. Yes. Uh, yes. I could be wrong. I said, you're also the same person that said Ezekiel Elliott could play behind the same line as Barry Sanders and run the same way as Barry Sanders. What are you on, drugs? Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. He's out of his mind, man. Yeah, he, 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 at the time, he wanted Xavier McKinney. And oh, that's another he was a thing. good player, but he's nowhere near CD Lamb. He is not right. anywhere close. It's a joke. Yeah. Believing, believing that you know how this shit works, man, is an epidemic. You know, everybody thinks they could be a GM, a head yeah. coach, or a player until it's actually time to go out there and it's like, all right, this shit's a lot harder than I thought. But, hey, listen, you know, it Kevin. Like you guys definitely know what the hell you're talking about. Well, thank you, Kevin. That. We we think you you know what you're talking about, and, <laughs> and and you're you have a great personality. You got a pizzazz to you. I mean, like seriously, Perfect. listen. Let, let's let's go reach out to Jerry Jones and say, listen, Jerry, yes. I, you're you're a nice old man. You're in your eighties. <laughs> uh, you look sexy because your wife is or your new wife is forty right. years old. But Whatever listen, I, I don't want to. You know, if you if you want to hang out with somebody, I'll hook you up with Speedy. Uh, oh, no thanks. <laughs> I'm not doing anything affiliated to the Dallas Cowboys. Well, hook him up with your dog because your dog likes, you know, licking in certain areas. That is true. And then we'll we'll hire we'll hire Kevin as the GM. I'll be the VP, or I'll be his his yes, assistant, sir. and and we'll get it done. We'll get Kevin, if you feel the need to pull off a Bill Belichick and retire from the team yeah. or resign from the team after forty five minutes of seeing that, I don't blame you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll rehire Jimmy Johnson out of retirement. Right, right. We'll back. <laughs> after thirty years, Jimmy Johnson. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> with, the, with the stone cold music and everything. Oh yeah. I'll tell you this, Jimmy Johnson, I there's something about him. He's like he he's he flashes, you know, he slicks his hair back. He looks yeah. like that real Italian mafia guy, and he's got yeah. a smirk and he's got those dimples. He's got Santa Claus's yeah. dimples, yeah. man. Uh, you know? What? The man has a hell of a restaurant down the Florida Keys, man. Oh, I, I gotta I check that out. Oh, it's incredible. Love it. Really? Mm, interesting. Got to check it out, Kevin. But Kevin, you're fantastic. We would love to get you on the show again. You really are. And keep up the good work, and we'll we'll be in touch, my friend. Fellas, I appreciate you guys, man. Start this new year off great. Get it done. We're trying, man. We're trying. I mean, <laughs> tell Jerry Jones to hire us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> tell him, you know, give you, you know, give you a couple mil. You give me five hundred thousand. I can I can live on that. That's all we need. That's, That's all, all we, we need, man. We're sharing is caring, Jerry. You're a multi-billionaire. I mean, share, share something. Give me some That's shekels, enough. baby. Give me some shekels. <laughs> oh man, I, I need that. Anyways, Kevin, you're That's the true. you're the man. You're the man. Kevin Green, ladies and gentlemen. He is fantastic. Great personality. Speedy, great get, man. Great get. I mean, seriously. Oh, yeah. He was great. Could I smack you around a couple times? I don't advocate for I, it. What do you think Kevin? You think Kevin could smack you around a couple times? Of course he could. That doesn't mean I would advocate for it. You know, we'll, we'll give you a tail. I, I I think you'd look good with a tail. What do you think? I'm sure you do. Half dog, half human. Oh, God. I mean. Oh, so I'm uh, Barf from Spaceballs? Well, that's it. You, I you kind of look like Barf with that beard of yours. No, I'm not there yet. Uh, I mean, He's got an air all over his body. Well, you need, listen, you need to cut that hair, man. I mean, But he has it all over his body. There's a difference. So you have hair in your undercarriage. Congratulations. Right? That is do a you not? small I mean, sample size. I don't know about small. I mean, do you small see Small sample Do you size. see that area? Small is sample it, size. Is it open for, you know, for people to see? No. Uh, how about a woman no, to see? No, no, How about a no, woman to see? No, That's no, not a people. No, it's one no. person. No, I mean sincerely, I, I I think that it 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 
would be interesting to look at, man. I'm sure you do. I mean, seriously, I don't know what it what it what it looks like over there. Good I think... for you. Keep being curious because you're never going to know. I, I am curious, Spe- George. Speaking of animals that have a lot of hair, Carl has some comments about the lions. Oh. If Dan Campbell suits up. He needs to make sure he reports as eligible. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Cowher is defensive coordinator for the Cowboys. Errol, if you were an NFL owner, you already would make the Speedy the mascot the fun inside the mascot outfit. I, I think it would be good. I mean. You, I would dress you up as your dog, you know, since you have this infatuation with your dog. Okay. Most people that own dogs have a loving relationship with their dogs. Yes. So you let him lick your ass. I didn't let him. But you just said you had a loving relationship with him. All right. You know? Everyone listening, Errol is twisting stories again. I did not twist it. You told me that you allowed him to do that. I did not allow him to do it. What I was it? blindsided. But how did it feel? How did it feel? Startling. But but startling's not the word. I mean, how did it feel? Was it wet? Was it dry? Was it what, what was it like? I mean, when a cat licks you, it, it's like a rough. It's like like leather. You know what I mean? It's like, like a no. Weird. I've never been licked by a cat, so I don't know. So so what is it like being licked by a dog in your ass? It was a little wet and it was uncomfortable. A little wet or very wet? A little. A little wet. Okay. I'm just I'm just. Answering. Luckily, I was reactionary enough to stop it. Did you jump? Got... Did you jump? Yes. How how did you jump? Did, did you jump up high? I don't know. Did you, I was blindsided. I, 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 I think I. I, I don't think I'm. Just, I'm not going to analyze my aerodynamics when I'm blindsided. I mean, maybe you probably would have liked it. I mean, no, I didn't like it. I mean, it never happened. I didn't like it. You didn't like it, so no. it wasn't. It wasn't no. fair. It no. Wasn't fun. no, no, no. It wasn't part of. No. You know, part of. No. You know. No. Enjoying it. No. Okay. I'm just asking. You look like the type of person. Carl says, Errol, owner of an expansion team, the Long Island Greyhounds. I like that. I like the Long Island Greyhounds. I mean, what kind of dog is your dog? It's a black lab mix. It's like a mix of like the Long Island Labs. Okay. You know, and we'll have a picture of Speedy's dog licking. No. There will be no pictures. And a cartoon character. There will be no pictures. Well, I figured. I mean, you are hanging off your underwear in our logo. I know. That was not my choice. Oh, it looks good, man. Congratulations. I I think you look great. Good for you. I personally think you're a fantastic personality, man. You are fantastic. No, Carl, I was not blindfolded. Oh, he was blindsided and blindfolded. Uh, Maybe he had his underwear over his head. No, I didn't. I mean... No, I didn't. Why would you be walking naked in your room if you weren't... didn't walk in naked. I went in, and then I changed. You changed, and how did the dog get in there? Because he knows how to open that door, because it's my brother Aiden's room. The he one doesn't room have thumbs. Him. How does he open the door? He uses his head and barrels through. <laughs> so he used his head and barreled through you. <laughs> no, luckily that wasn't that vicious, but... I mean, well, it wasn't vicious. It felt good, right? No, it didn't. I'm just asking you. I mean, you look like... You asked the same question a minute ago and I already forgot. But I, I do. I forget things. Yes. I, I have, like, amnesia. Yep, okay? you do. But it, it's good. It's good. By the way, uh, Carl says, dog knew what he wanted. Yes. Yeah, it, he did. I'm good not taste. Good, I'm not good disputing taste. that, Carl. Does he like to lick uh, anybody else's ass? Yeah. Oh. He's gone for my brothers, too. Oh, Trying to go for... Sharing is caring. Huh? Go for uh, some It's a little family uh, reunion. Yes. No, it's not a reunion. It's him having those desires. Oh, uh, so he likes licking ass. Apparently. Oh, so you've got a dog that likes to lick ass. Okay, cool. That's awesome. That's All right, you dog. take such great pride in it for whatever reason. I, I'm just telling you, that's interesting. None that's of us do that besides you. I, I, I didn't lick your ass. Not you. 
Yeah. None of you take – you're the only one who takes great pride in my dog trying to be a- – I mean, come on, man. You're, you're sitting here and you're telling me that your dog goes after not only you but your brother's, yeah, your yeah, mother's yeah. ass. Okay, yeah, yeah. She tries to sexually harass <laughs> us at random times. Uh, wow. I mean, so your, your dog has this urge. I mean, yeah, did he you, does. Did, did somebody teach him? In your no! School? All right, I'm just – I mean, you've had him since he was a baby. No, it's called Animal Instincts. Oh, so he likes to lick ass because his animal yes. tells him to lick ass. Yes. Is it the is it the smell or no? Is, I mean, do you animal all, instincts? Do you, you animal all instincts. smell the same way? No, an animal instinct. Well, that that is an animal instinct. I mean, if they if you all smell the same, uh, they usually go after each other. Okay, I'm just saying. Anyway, so uh, thank. <laughs> I love you, Speedy. Smile, man. Put a smile on your face. I'll uh, try. Oh, there you go. There's a nice smile. Uh, let, let's jump up in the air and start all ourselves. Let's not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, th- thank you to the host of the Just Jets podcast and Talking Jets show, Matt O'Leary, for joining us. And thank you to former 49ers, Bengals, Panthers, Bears, Titans, tight end. No, he's not Kevin Green from... You know, the defensive side of the ball. He is the tight end, Kevin Green. Thank you to Kevin Green for joining us. Thank you to all the fans out there that listen to us. Tune in, download our show throughout the social media markets. Thank you to all the fans that have tuned in throughout the years. And and obviously a new year with me and Speedy Petey. Uh, another crazy year as we'll have some crazy guests. And Speedy Petey will invite his dog no, into I the won't. studio one way or another. No, I will not. And maybe our No, our I will scoops. not. We'll share his... No, uh, I will not invite my dog in here. Why not? My dog is not going to be doing well in these very well, tight I'm gonna spaces make sure, anyway. I'm going to make sure that I'm sitting down because I don't want him to lick my ass. Just so you know. Yeah, that's a smart idea. Yeah, that's smart. <laughs> I, listen, I got some brains sometimes. You know. Anyways, thank you to all the fans. Uh, who do we have on tomorrow? All right, so tomorrow, 8.30, returning to the show. He uh, he was on twice when he was working in Charlotte. Now he's actually in Houston. Will Kunkel, mm. a sports reporter. Oh, I, like, uh, I like Will. Yep, he's now working in Houston. So, uh, he'll the Kunkinator. He has both ends of the Bryce Young, CJ Stroud yeah, remember uh, that. Yeah. saga now, especially yeah. now with Frank Reich getting fired. And Texans could be a playoff team. Who knows? We'll see. But he'll be on at 8.30. And then 9 o'clock for the first time on the show, he's a relief pitcher for the Washington Nationals. Uh, he pitched this year in 18 games. He is Amos Willingham. Oh, I remember Amos. Yeah, very mm-hmm. nice. Speedy, are you excited? I am. Oh, look at that. Uh, I know you're you're getting ready for the interview, and you're excited. You're jumping for joy, clapping your hands, and getting ready for it. We good? I'm not clearly doing that, as otherwise you would be hearing my hands clap. I, I don't want to. I don't want to hold your hands. That's not what I'm. I'm not saying you do. Okay, I'm just saying. I don't. I don't need to hold your hands. You can clap your hands. Could you clap? Thank you. There you go. Uh, the clapper? Does the light go on and off? No, I, I, I we have some of them at New Year's, but oh. I didn't bring any. <laughs> oh, you got you got. We the have clappers. clappers. Yeah, you shake them. They're like no, no, hands. I'm not talking about that. You do the clapper, and the lights go on and off. You ever seen no, that? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's motion sensor. I know that, but I, I, do you have anything like that? I don't think. Remember the chia pet? Ch 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 chia. Yeah. Remember that? I love that commercial. It's great. You kind of look like a chia pet. Okay. I'm just saying. Anyways, uh, thank you to all the fans. Uh, we will be back tomorrow, as always, 7 p.m. Good night. You're you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.